You cool if I start recording? I'm ready when you are, man. Good, let's fucking do it. I like your haircut, dude. Uh, it was hippie length, man. I'm talking like it came down to here. I told the wife, I'll get a haircut, but I'm going to tell her to actually leave some length. So I said, you know what? Just take an inch and a half off. She left an inch and a half on there. I was like, well, Uncle Sam ruined hair on my, the feeling of hair touching my ears. So eh, no big deal. <laughs> I like it, man. I just, I watched the other day. I watched, uh, I watched Fury, the, that tank movie. The biggest, the biggest ripoff of my haircut in history. Yes. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you have that haircut. I like it. <laughs> Reminds me of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, but keep in mind, I've, I've been doing more or less this version of this haircut since 95. Oh, yeah, no, it's before and, it was cool. But, uh, hey, we got a tank movie out of the deal, so I'm not really fussing about Brad borrowing my haircut. Yeah. Yeah, things could be, things could be much much worse. Yeah. <laughs> so even though history, even though history buffs were like, "Well, that's not accurate." Oh, shut the fuck up! Yeah, dude, it's a tank movie. I just want to see fucking Nazis get mowed down. That's all I give a shit about. I don't give and a fuck. I, okay, now keep in mind, I have never had to bang it out with a tiger. But I white knuckled that entire goddamn scene. I was like, oh, fuck. dude, it is. Yeah. yeah, they really do capture the God. If, if it, that, I don't know what movie, what book. It makes me think of All Quiet on the Western Front because that movie really, or, or Fury really captured the sort of randomness of death. It's like you're there. And like two and minutes later, everyone around you is gone. He's literally, what's that guy? He's like, what's God doing up there? Big paradise. Everyone got snake yeah. eyes but us. It really is. Yeah. It's just in a yeah. matter of minutes, four tanks and are gone. What I what I appreciated about the movie was Americans love the reluctant warrior. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to kill these guys, but oh, I, shucks, I, if I, I got to. If I got to do it. No, these guys were fucking killers. <laughs> Yeah, and and the funny thing is, uh, you spend a long you spend a long enough time in in armor cavalry, you meet some version of everyone that was in that movie. Oh yeah, the Mexican dude that would randomly drop into Spanish for no fucking reason whatsoever. You had, I hate to say, it, but it was usually a Southern guy, a redneck that could barely Bi- read or write Bible. But no, oh, oh, but oh, uh, give him a give him a roll of baling wire and a set of Leatherman. He could probably fix a nuclear reactor. Yeah, and be like, man, shit, I'll fix this. Ah, shit, I'll get and, it. And there was always a Bible, a guy who wouldn't chase girls, wouldn't smoke, wouldn't drink, wouldn't do anything, but would kill you fucking dead if you were on if you were wearing the wrong uniform and in front of his gun. Yeah, yeah, there was. And the FNG, the new guy. Yeah. So where are you from? Man, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody where gives you're a from, fuck. Dude. You that saved was, that movie had so many great parts. It was the quickest weapons briefing in history. Boys, talking through that machine gun. Open that cover. Now you kill it. Close it up. Now you ain't. Now you ain't. The, 
<laughs> the first time I got my hands on a grease gun was about 96 or so. And because I love guns and history, I was like, oh, shit, cool. So I'm looking around for the charging handle because that's how you operate the bolt. So I'm like, where the hell is the charging handle? He opens the cover and he's like, you stick your finger in the bolt and you pull it backwards. I was like, no, seriously, where's the charge? He was like, no, click. I was like, this has got to be the ghettoest firearm this country has ever fucking produced. But they're fun as hell to shoot. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I, I love... It, it seemed that much more realistic because it was like... Yeah, it's like the young dude that's goes in there and he's like, this guy didn't do anything to me. He has a family. I don't want to kill him. And it's just like... You can see like how quickly it it's like you're just molded by your environment. And within 30 minutes, he's like, fucking Nazis, and just mowing them down. And I had had to have a a few conversations with with some civilians about it. It was like, well, why do you have to shoot that guy? You're like, you got to get that stink of innocence off off of him. Mm -hmm. Like, he is a bow gunner on a Sherman. He needs to kill people at a moment's notice. Yeah. And not this, oh, shucks, well, the Bible says, no, he, his boss had him execute a fucking prisoner. Not that I would do that. But, but, he, yeah. but he had to get that stink of innocence off him. He had to... Well, he, well because he let that guy shoot the, the Panzerfaust, and it, and it killed that <laughs> other guy who lit on fire and shot himself. God damn, that was... That was intense. Holy shit. Uh, and, Holy fuck. Uh, God, I hope your audience isn't filled with Wikipedia warriors because I really liked the movie. I really did. I don't give a shit um, who my audience is. But the, uh, uh, the writer, the director, David Ayers, he's already responsible for my favorite cop movie of all time, and that was uh, End of Watch. Jake Gyllenhaal and yeah, yeah, and, uh, Michael me, Pena. Me, me, yeah, me and my me and one of my best friends watched that our last semester of college. That was and, great. No, all right. Now I don't know shit about police procedures other than, despite what TV tells you, you don't get into an officer-involved shooting and you're back to work the next day. No, a friend of mine had a officer-involved shooting. She shot somebody, and she was off for the summer. Now, keep in mind, she's not like, you know, flying to Fiji. You have to be available for inquests and things like that. But, yeah, you're you're off until you're cleared, and then you return to duty. And so they started with the shootout, and then some unknown amount of time back, then they come back. But the part that sold it for me was just the amount of fucking ball busting that went along inside that car. I was like, oh, that's real. Yeah, that's real. Just constantly pecking at each other because you spend you spend enough time with somebody, and you're just gonna fuck you. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so when I when I heard he was gonna do a tank movie, I was like, mm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Even though Shia LaBeouf is crazy, kind of bored. I don't know about crazy, man, but. Okay, maybe he's fucking crazy. I don't. Dedicated to his craft, I'll give him that. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you kind of got to be with acting. I think there's a... It's kind of like what Rogan says about madness. Mad, genius and madness are next-door neighbors, and they share each other's sugar. It's kind of like the best actors, man. It's like, yeah, maybe they're not people I would, like, turn my back on if they had a weapon. <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't know if I'd leave them alone with my family or, you know, give them the keys to my car or show them where my liquor is. But good actor. All right. I've, I've been around famous people before. I worked at a really hip spot in town for a number of years, and celebrities were nothing new to me. Um, they're just people. Yeah. Just usually incredibly short people. Like, wow, I didn't know you guys were all five foot seven. Like, <laughs> I mean, there are a few exceptions that I remember off the top of my head. Uh, ben Affleck was 6'4". Well, you got to be short because that way you're down to earth. And Jesus, my buddy was pissed when he met Vince Vaughn because he's 6'6". And Vince Vaughn's my buddy's, massive. My buddy's 6'4", and he never has to look up to anybody. And he was like, I fucking hated having to tilt my head just slightly to look him. Everyone else I've met from Hollywood has been incredibly short. I don't for think of the for the most part, but yeah. I don't think I've ever met any any famous individuals. But there's something about yeah, there's something about Fury. You're right. The the whole stink of innocence. It really mm-hmm. is like because the way I mean, you could tell when Brad Pitt was making him shoot the prisoner. It wasn't that like. He wants you to shoot a prisoner so much as like if you don't kill them, they kill you. Zero sum game. It's a, mm-hmm. yes, of course he's showing you pictures of his family because he's captured, surrounded by four tanks and a hundred of us. It's, yeah, it's yeah. You got to get it out. You know, it's like why don't you shoot them? They're dead. Like, are you a fucking doctor? Shoot them. It's, <laughs> and it's, you're right. You can tell it. It gets to a point where it's it's not the yeah the reluctant warrior like you know in front, no, front of God no, and country I'll do it I don't want to do it no by the end it's like hey grab that guy with the busted wing shoot that cocksucker and you're like motherfucker <laughs> angel this one's yours Al Peterson asshole and I like the fact that they made a real point to not. Point out the SS versus yeah, the Germans. Yeah, to, to point out, oh, oh, that guy's SS? Yeah, Shoots you ain't fucking over, walking yeah. out of here. He's not, he's not just an enlisted soldier. Shut up, <laughs> He's not just... Shut up. Shut up. Dude, oh. They'll always get the last word. Give, give me a second. All My right. fustiest cat is going gonna to piss and moan until I do this. Hang on. You're, you're good. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. So... <laughs> I'll uh, I'll break into the oh wait your headphones are on. Um, do you want to um, do you want to break into the the Q and A and sure we can go from sure. there. I don't give a f- because the last the last couple episodes I've had like questions I've meant to ask people and I'll end mm-hmm. up talking to them for like two hours and I'm like oh fuck I got questions to ask and they're like yeah they're like oh man I I got five more minutes if you want to do questions and I'm like oh fuck so. Well, oh boy! The first, the, the first question, I—it's the mm. most upvoted one, so I guess I gotta ask it: Is mm. the anime girls und Panzer an accurate representation of tank warfare? I don't know what anime girls und Panzer are. Uh, I know what it is, but <laughs> I don't know 
what it is. It's an anime, <laughs> Girls und Panzer. Girls und Panzer? Yeah. I, I saw like 10 seconds of it once, and I thought I was in some fucking... Fever dream? The mushroom-fueled fever dream, <laughs> and all these giant anime eyes, <laughs> while driving a bunch of T-34s and shit. I was like, what? The? And then it went away. Ooh, ooh, your shell's so big. Da, 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 da. Oh, no, American. <laughs> it's the most uploaded um, question, so I have to I, ask I, I hate, damn, the most uploaded question, and I've got nothing to fucking offer you. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I just want to give the people what they asked for. Um, um, listen, I'm, I'll say this. If it's a media depiction of tanks, it's probably about as real as World of Tanks. Okay. Okay. Um, what did he and his crew mess around with to avoid getting bored on deployment? So how do you kill time? Kill time. Uh, okay. This is the unglamorous part. Uh, riding around in this gigantic turbine-powered diesel-drinking monster, uh, maintenance, shitloads of it. If... It's one of those things. It's it's. I'm not going to say busy work, but let's say you've done whatever it is that needs doing. You essentially park your vehicle for the evening. If the guys just get out and chill out, then someone didn't do their job. Like fluids need to be checked. Track tension needs to be checked. Uh, this uh that engine consumes oil all right it doesn't maintain oil level if i'm remembering any of this correctly so it should burn a certain amount of turbo shaft oil per hour of operation that has to get looked at uh if you want to get nitpicky then or if you got a crew that tends to get up to no good have them bore sight the main gun that's always a titanic waste of time not waste of time but it's a time suck uh for the most part a lot depended on proficiency you had a good crew that knew what they were doing then i could jump out of the gunner seat and expect you to know your job without me having to go oh, what are you doing yeah uh new guys you did shit like uh, uh what's called afvid armored vehicle yeah armed forces vehicle identification what vehicle is this what country does it belong to is it is it a shoot no shoot that is a lot more difficult than you would think. Because so what, there's yeah, what is a shitload of different armored vehicles out there. What is that? Is that just something like uh, it's flashcards? Think, think, think of flashcards, you okay. know, like a two-inch deck, and you roll up Leopard 2, no shoot, German, same gun as ours, this many road wheels, has this distinguishing feature on the turret. Uh, T-55, shoot all day long. It's got X amount of road wheels. It's got a bore evacuator at the end of the main gun. Uh, distinguishing features of different vehicles. Uh, 
if you're breaking in a new guy that's say a loader then well he's not going to have a lot of downtime because he's going to be learning a bunch of shit okay you're a loader but this is how to do this job this is how to do that job and if the tc takes a bullet you need to get over there and deadlift his ass out of the tc's hatch always a good thing to have a loader be capable of doing and not to mention actually knowing his job in feeding the main gun getting the round out smoothly into the guns uh into the breech smoothly without losing fingers toes hip bones dicks well i mean i think when the main gun goes off the path of the path of recoil the, the amount that the breech jumps rearward is 12 to 13 inches now that's 12 to 13 inches it it doesn't matter if your meat sack is standing in front of it or not it's going it's back going. that amount of distance period <laughs> and if you're in if you're in its way you'll soon be out of its way pretty simple like i said man uh one of the first things one of my instructors I was said about, was, I was about to bring up that this, quote you said from the last episode. Yeah. Yep. You read my this, mind. This lady is designed to kill. Fucking right on. But she is not specific as to who. Oh. Ooh. Okay. Light bulb, light bulb goes off in your head and you go, oh, shit. It's like an, yeah. it's like an unguided missile. It's like, this is going to kill what you aim at. Red, white, and blue, communists, Nazi. Let it rip. It's say goodbye. Whether it's into a village or it's into the fucking Reichstag, like it's 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 killing. Yeah, this. Uh, like I said, it's a it, it's an amazing piece of engineering, and they somehow made it. I'm not going to say idiot proof. Because that is a level of engineering that doesn't exist. You can't do idiot. But but they got it as close to idiot proof as I've seen. Mm-hmm. You you bump your head the wrong way on the bulkhead of a Blackhawk, you're going to shut off sixty eight circuit breakers. <laughs> I, I have yet to like. I have yet to like bust the fire control system on the main gun, which I don't know if I told you this part or not, but I told you how accurate the fire control system is. Keep the dot on the bad guy. The gun takes care of the rest. Yeah. So cal- calculate lead elevation, you know, bullet drop this, that, the other, but it also does it for the coaxial machine gun. It is the same fire control system. Okay. So it'll turn your coaxial machine gun, which is a machine gun you use for troops, unarmored vehicles, uh, a lovely little thing we call recon by fire. What's in that bush? Nothing now. (laughs) Uh, But that coaxial machine gun has the exact same fire control system. So you have literally the world's most expensive sniper machine gun. Because it still uses the laser rangefinder, it mm-hmm. still uses all the lead and 
elevation calculations that are there mainly for the main gun, but it also applies to the coaxial machine gun. So, yeah, the the words sniper machine gun are sound like something a four-year-old would say, but uh, it, it's almost literally what a coaxial machine gun is capable of doing. Just finding the target and staying on it. and mm-hmm. That's insane. And, and if you can see it, you can hit it. And if you can hit it, you can kill it. So did, mm. can, it, can it go up a level of, of intricacy? Could you make it like an autonomous like range finder? Like, could it find the target and do everything? Or do you got to have a uh, human behind it? Okay, now, I... I will freely admit that my my experience is only in M1A1s. Mm-hmm. After they got into the A2s with separate thermal viewers and M1A2 set V1s where they had a crow's mount for the commander's machine gun, I don't have any idea about that shit. Mm-hmm. I had gauges in the driver's hole. They have LED screens now. Not that, oh, back in my day, it was yeah. better. No, just... Just different. That that was the tack. That was... These are the buttons, and now it's computer screens. Yeah. Probably more accurate computer screens, yes. if we're going to be honest. But, yeah, yeah um, I don't know if... All right, the M1A2 introduced the CITV, the Commander's Independent Thermal Viewer, while the gunner is scanning for targets, the commander has his own set of optics that okay. he can be scanning around. And if I'm not mistaken, if he finds a target, boom, he slaves the gun to what he's looking at. And from his position, he can get the commander's override handle and boom, shoot from there. Oh, he can fire the main gun? Um, yeah, actually... I mean, it's a bit old school, but somewhere around here, fuck, my garage is a fucking nightmare. Um, no one has a clean garage. Someone, uh, somewhere around here, I have a uh, uh, commander's override handle from some older tank that I found in some dumpster somewhere, which is probably just a nice way of saying I stole it, but... <laughs> Pretty sure the statute of limitations ran out on that one a while back. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the the commander has a control at, at his station that will override whatever it is the gunner is looking at. Uh-huh. If he once the uh, commander once the commander's override gets it, the turret, the gun, everything is listening to that one position. So. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay, uh, how many shell? How many shells did he fire from the tank? Is there any what, way me you- personally? Yeah. Oh shit, man! I do not know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you would, but uh, at one point in my life, like I remembered shit like what your basic load is to do tank table one which is like a qualification i don't know uh let's play dumb and say 200 rounds through the main gun there's no one that's gonna fucking prove me wrong yeah 200 rounds yeah let's say that 
What is it? When did uh when did the when did we stop using uh white phosphorus? <laughs> Willie Peter. Or do we still use it? We still we stopped using it? Oh, um, I, I always thought what I I just I guess just from like the hive mind of Reddit, I always remember seeing pictures of like white phosphorus and how it now it's like a war crime. But I was watching Fury and they were they were just jacking that into everyone. I just remember thinking, like, why would we stop using that? It seems great. Well, uh, I'm pretty... Like, the purpose is to kill. So, why are we going to neuter it? Like, the purpose you know, is to kill. It, it really, uh, like, what we called Willie Pete, white, white phosphorus rounds, through the tank's main gun uh, was smoke. It was to obscure, mm -hmm. which... If you, once again, going back to Fury, when they uh, pop smoke in front of the tiger. when they when they went banged it out with the tiger, the first thing they did was backed up their tanks so their thickest armor was facing the bad guy, and they just started throwing smoke at him. Yeah, Willie Willie Pete. Now, if you have an artilleryman in your audience. They still might use that today for marking targets. I cannot vouch for that, but I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, shit, don't use it in cities. That's kind of obvious, but say if you want to do a obscure an enemy machine gun position, you could. You don't know where the enemy is, but you know that this is his sight line. You can throw a, a 155 round in there, and he won't see dick. So is it okay? I didn't know that. I thought, I thought it was separate. I thought there were smoke rounds mm -hmm. and white phosphorus, but they're, they're the same. Uh, Just, I mean, I guess it does produce a lot of smoke. It's why not smoke round? Um, listen, I, I could be wrong. I might be wrong. I don't know if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure, at least in for the, so the World War Two use in tanks i'm almost positive it was to obscure it was to throw smoke in the face of bad guys i'm pretty sure of that i'm not 100 percent sure but i'm pretty sure we will say this then we will say i i am 92 percent sure <laughs> went went bad russian accent yeah. uh. <laughs> but in 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 fury not mm. to not to use Fury as some like historical anchor point, but but it's it's a cultural reference point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That I think most. If you're watching your podcast, you probably saw Fury. Yeah, it's a safe assumption. To yeah, make. yeah. So when they use it, when they're in that like town, and they put it in the first floor, or when they're making their last stand, and they put it in that, they put it in that like farmhouse. I mean, it it looks like they're it looks like they're using it for a. Incendiary purposes. Yeah. Well, white phosphorus has a tendency of burning the shit out of stuff. So, yeah. I mean, secondary purposes, sure. Um, I don't see why not. If if I really had a hate boner for the bad guys, I wouldn't hesitate throwing a fucking Willie Pete round in the middle of their formation. Yeah. Though that, I guess that's what I was you're referring not getting, to. You're not putting that out. Yeah, you can't. You you can't. It's one of yeah. It's like it's like in Chernobyl. 
when they they add like lead to the fire like the radioactive fire they're like and the lead turned to lava and he's like you made lava and he's like well you know you can't put this shit out right it just it does not what you add to it is just going to become part of it it's i guess that's what i was asking when i said do we still use white phosphorus i was thinking i didn't know it was the same as the smoke so i was thinking like do we use these incendiary rounds but it makes me think of annie jacobson's book surprise kill vanish and they talk about cia special activities division and she's interviewing one of these guys from the forward operating base gecko in afghanistan and this guy's like i don't know why we can't use flamethrowers and he's like we use them in world war one world war two vietnam it's like the purpose mm-hmm. is to kill like we're not oh, yeah. he's like it's one thing if you're using beanbag bullets or tasers to incapacitate but he's like once you're killing you're killing like you're just, killing he's like yeah. sure it's slower but if the purpose is for our guys to kill them and them not to kill us i would rather kill them quickly but if if burning them still means my guys are safer if i can clear a room by just pointing a flamethrower down he's like why can't we use it but i guess that's you know when you get to that tier one mindset he was just like i don't understand he's like my purpose is to i'm not a diplomat he's like you put me in when you want them dead why can't i use a flamethrower how's in because they call like an, an ac-130 he's like I saw a shell hit this car. They're all on fire now. <laughs> it's like, why can't I use a flamethrower? So, I mean, I'm with you. Why? What? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's optics, I guess. UN, all that stupid shit. Geneva. Um, I don't know. I don't know because, okay, uh, flamethrowers used napalm, mm-hmm. which back in those days. Napalm was a jelly. Uh, got, well, no, I get to I get to pull I get to clear leather on this one. It's a portmanteau of the words naphtha and palmitic acid. And nowadays, it's gasoline or diesel and polystyrene to mm-hmm. thicken it up. Uh, it just. It just, it just got unpopular um, with people that weren't fighting in the war. Um, the flamethrower is a little spooky to me. You catch a round of that thing, and bah, Felicia. Uh, oh yeah, you're well, you're but, gone. Yeah, but I've always loved the idea of it. I'm pretty sure some comedian said it. It's just, I love the concept. You see Carlin. that guy over there. I want to set him on fire. I just don't want to walk over there to do it. Yeah, George like, George just, Carlin. Okay, yeah. Carlin. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. See that, that guy sense. over there? I want to set him on fire, but he's he's all the way over there, and I'm over here. If only I, I could find a way to throw flame. And he had a friend who was good with tools. <laughs> yeah, um, oddly enough, uh, this is a little legal fact for you. A flamethrower is not a firearm. That's ironic. Oh, it's ironic as all shit. It's not a firearm. And, and when you hear uh, politicians say like think things like, you can't own a flamethrower. Yes, you fucking can. They are unregulated. That's awesome. Yeah. You can look up the ATF's rules on it. A firearm is something that shoots a projectile from a cartridge. 
it's one of those things like this is not a firearm but it's a weapon that uses fire okay man all right just clearly there's there's some Walter Mitty shit going on here that yeah. I don't fully understand. And yeah. I'm checking out of that conversation. <laughs> yeah, like uh, flame tanks in the Pacific. Yeah. Uh, we need this bunker cleared out and just hosing the Imperial Japanese Army with fucking napalm. Ouch. Yeah. Just. That shit's insane. You want to shoot me? Fuck you. I'll shoot you. You want to stab me? Oh, shit. He wants to stab me. Fuck you. I'll stab you back. No, that guy wants to set me on fire. And his buddies aren't going to shoot me because I'm on fire. Yeah, because I'm on fire. Dude, that's... No, man. I mean, I get the the argument for make it so... What did Curtis LeMay say? He's like, when there is a war... He's like, you should use overwhelming uh, firepower, more than is needed, an absurd amount. You should overwhelm them with hell so that you could end it as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think of things like the Gatling gun. He was positive it would make war so horrific yeah, that he it would thought it would end short. war. Um, and then we put wings pretty on Pretty sure Alfred Nobel thought the same thing about trinitrotoluene, TNT. He was like, this will make fucking standing armies useless. And then he found out about HE shells and went, ah, fuck. Yeah, the Gatling gun. We will, This will make war intolerable. It'll be so bad. Fuck that. It just turned into a World War One like... They had a little song like "We have the Maxim gun." <laughs> That's all it turned into. It was just a bunch of doughboys, just like "fuck it, mow them down." We have the Maxim gun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Maxim. Uh, I've heard two different versions of this one. Um, the Germans, World War One. Their version of the Maxim was the MG-08. Identical gun. And some of their MG-08s were made in Spandau. And it said so right there on the receiver. I've seen them. Mm-hmm. MG-08, Spandau. Mm-hmm. And I guess if you caught a, a, a doughboy in no man's land, you lit him the fuck up with the MG-08 and the Bullets hitting him made him do the Spandau Ballet. Jesus which Christ! New wave, uh, new wave artist from the eighties. But I've, I've heard different theories on that one. Yeah, exactly. Woo. I didn't know that. God damn, man. God damn. Makes sense yeah. though. I mean, well, I mean, it does make sense, but it's one of those things that gallows humor. Well, no, where you you make things fit. Uh, the narrative re- after the fact, like RPG, rocket-propelled grenade. It is not a rocket-propelled grenade. It's it isn't. We just used that because RPG was in its title. Oh, really? Um, I mean, you're right. There is like a retroactive. It all fits. What do they? What do they call that? Like a backronym. Backronym, yeah. Where, yeah, where you, where you shoot the arrow, then you paint the bullseye around it. Yeah, right? yeah. 
hey, I did a backronym for this podcast because I saw Joe Rogan Experience, JRE, and I was like, I need three syllables, something quick. I don't want four. And I was like, TPC. Mm-hmm. And I, well, those are my initials. And I was like, let's figure it out. Tommy's podcast. Through some <laughs> universal luck, no one had made a podcast. No one named Tommy had made one yet. So big dick energy. You lucky bastard. I know. TPC. Woo! Thomas Patrick Kerrigan. But yeah, you're right. The Spandau. Good Lord in heaven. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah thought the, I thought the Maxim machine gun when I first read about it, just as I first read about it when I was like seventeen. So of course my mind, I was like, oh, is this named after like the Maxim magazine? And apparently it was not. Fun fact, it was not. <laughs> Came before it. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, just a wee bit, a couple decades. Whatever six, happens, six, we have got the Maxim gun, and they have not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I've spent I've spent a little bit of time around uh, Maxim guns, um, one or some, some Vickers guns, and once you realize that those heavy machine guns, and they're heavy not because they're caliber, but because the sheer amount of shit that goes with it, mm-hmm. with those water cooled jackets. The barrels get hot, takes the water, turns it to steam. Steam condenses down there in a can. Take the can, refill the mm-hmm. water jacket. Uh, those things didn't need to stop firing. That's insane. They could just go. I'm, I'm, I'm talking. And as long as you had water and ammunition, that like the like the Vickers was famous for its fucking reliability, and. Damn it! I should have. Well, I didn't know I was even talking about Vickers guns, but when uh, they were about to retire the Vickers gun, I'm pretty sure they just belted up a shitload of ammunition and got a bunch of water for the cooling jackets and just let it run for a day. Jesus! One of your Wikipedia warriors is losing his mind right now. Is this actually 22 hours? You fuck! You fucking piece of shit! <laughs> you fucking shit lord! I am. That guy's like, I'm gonna get a Vickers and fire it for 24 hours in your fucking house. Like, all right, man. Jesus, pump the brakes, buddy. It, yeah, because I've yeah. seen videos of like a saw mm-hmm. on like YouTube, and the guy fires it for like 100 seconds or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it literally turns like molten red, and the barrel falls off, which yeah. I thought was pretty dangerous because I was like, in that time that the barrel's falling off, you're gonna shoot around and it's gonna boink. Uh, but I guess I'm just a keyboard warrior. If, I'm, if we're thinking about the same video, I'm pretty sure they sh- did a uh, destruction test on a suppressor. Oh, and yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. The suppressor, suppressor yeah, that, you're right. Yeah, you can... Uh, I know a lot of guys that... Okay, back in my day... Back in my day... Back in my day... Well, I we like had I, a musket, and we liked it. And we had the Maxim gun. What's that fucking... Do you ever play Grand Theft Auto V? Uh, I haven't played Grand Theft Auto since it was on a PlayStation 2. I thought that's what that and, was. I noticed the... And I, I no- still have it. I, I noticed the colors, yeah. There's a... Well, I guess nowadays, 2020, I'll get thrown in the digital gulag. But I love on... Grand Theft Auto goes into so much detail. You can even go on, like, the websites to buy cars. And every car has, like, 
two paragraphs, like, and it's written, and, it, and it's all hilarious. None of it's fluff. That's why I love the game, is it's all, it's all perfect. And you go into it, and one of them is, like, this, like, 1950s car. And mm-hmm. it's, like, back when you could drink, like, uh, back when you could drink scotch at work and smoke a cigar, and your secretary was your second wife, back when women and minorities knew their place. <laughs> and I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always wow. I always quote that, and people always give me a look. I'm like, it's it's fuck you. It's Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> like it's whenever I quote shit, it, it always sucks when you quote something bad and no one gets it, and they just think you're saying something bad. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh come on. I I tell you what, though, we'll jump into the end zone and head down to the pool hall, and we'll play some billiards. Yeah, no, really. It's, it's like it's, it's my old. That's always my night. Old timey boy. It, it's the future. It's the forties. In the future, you'll be able to send mail to your girlfriends on the other side of the planet. In only six weeks. In only six weeks, boy, you'll be an inch taller by then. You can go fight the Krauts. Yeah, it's always yeah, shit like the that. The Krauts. Yeah, and in hot air balloon with a Jules Verne novel. Yeah, so it's just some bullshit. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll get on that hill and we'll ace those Huns. We'll take them down with the run across the bow. You'll be famous. A ticker tape parade for you and your boys. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll be in the White House. Go watch the New York Yankees. <laughs> Simpler times when you could just brainwash everyone. <laughs> when no one has the internet, you can tell them what's real and what's not. Everyone well, outside of this country is a savage. That's why we have the Maxim card. That's where you have the Maxim card. No, I'm not going to say that, like, like I'm not going to go, like, techno hipster on you and say, do whatever the fuck you want. uh, Long for a time that I wasn't involved in. But back in the days, Edward R. Murrow said something and you went, okay, that's the truth. That is a fact now. And without getting political now, you have to go, wait, the news said what? Okay, which way does that station lean? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, all right. Take mm-hmm. it with a grain of salt. It used to... Shit, I'm trying to remember. Was it Edward or Murrow? It's, you, you ever seen it, those? It's something, it's something I put on my Instagram once where I took a, a picture of a, of a male lion with his scarred up face. And... Uh, I think it was Edward R. Murrow. I'm not sure, but it's a, I just put the little caption over the picture that we are not descended from fearful men. That's at the beginning of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. He has the yeah, quote, but, we are but not it's, a, it's a Edward R. Murrow yeah. quote, or one of the other news guys that I can't think well, of yeah, right now. The beginning of his and, podcast, it has, it has that and, radio clip. We are not yeah, descendants of fearful Ed, men. say that nowadays. Yeah. Like, we're definitely the descendants of fucking terrified men. Oh yeah, I don't. Everyone was horrified. I don't think there's no, any. I think it was Dale Comstock, Delta Force guy, I've had on here. He was like, "Man, I don't want fearful men fighting with me because they're dumbasses." He's like, "You got to have a healthy amount of fear." Fearful. Go. He's like, "It doesn't matter how fearful you are. You're flesh and bone in a seven-six-two round." He's like, "You can be fearful. It doesn't give a shit. It'll blow that brain matter with that fearful thought right out of the back of your head." Uh, I'm not 100% that I'm getting the names right here, but I'm pretty sure it was good old Sergeant Charlie Beckwith, the guy that essentially started Delta. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, he's talking about his Vietnam days in the, I'm pretty sure it was Mac V SOG program. Uh-huh. And he said, I'd rather go upriver with seven studs than a hundred shitheads. <laughs> yeah. I remember reading that as a kid going, well, why wouldn't you want more? Why wouldn't you no, want no, 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 no. I want men capable of delivering high order violence when needed. Yeah. And not delivering high order violence when not needed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seven. I'd rather go up the river with seven studs than a hundred shitheads. That that one, that was one of those ones that stuck with me from an early age, and I was like, I wonder what he meant by that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, what he you meant get by older, that. and you're like, uh, ah, okay, yeah, because I would be one of the hundred shitheads. A tree would, br- <laughs> a branch would break, and I'd unleash like a hundred round salvo, throw a grenade, well, and then start screaming for air support. That's what that's what bothers me about the whole concept of the vietnam war all right we're gonna have a draft you you're a 19 year old kid from iowa here's eight weeks of basic training at fort benning georgia here's your m16 here's vietnam welcome to the fucking yeah. jungle i hope you make it yeah i know it's you like, wanted did, to be a did, calculus did, did teacher you, but did you want kids to die because that is an environment that is not terribly familiar to americans i think an argument could be made they wanted a certain number to die you get the guys um, pulling. I, I'm not going to go conspiracy theory on you, but I mean, not conspiracy. I just it, mean like a certain. You got to make it a real war because if they're not fighting back, you can't get any support. But if all of a sudden you're sending back uh, flag draped coffins, well, I think the world. I think in my humble opinion, I think Vietnam <laughs> was like. I think they were trying to like bring back that World War II patriotic mindset, and it was like, dude. That was different. We were literally fighting a methed out megalomaniac with equal technology who was literally burning people in camps. That was a true real life movie villain. Vietnam was like, they are farmers who can't read and they're taking technology from people who have a different economic system than us. Ooh. Like, yeah, but it story goes deeper than that because oh, yeah. Uncle Ho wanted our help kicking the French out. Oh, yeah. Oh, it and goes. It goes. Because he was literally referred to as Vietnam's George Washington. He, yeah. And the DM he brothers. Came to, he came to us and he was like, listen, you guys kicked the British out. Help me kick the French out. And we went, yeah, but we're friends with the French. So, no. So, sucks to so suck. he just went shopping with where he could get support and he found it with the Soviet Union. And he was like, fuck it stars and red banners for everybody yeah, fuck it yeah you're you're, you're leading <laughs> like, a nation of jungles people i mean i don't can you fault him he's a dude that's taking care of his people i i, I haven't read too much about ho chi Minh. i really haven't uh i haven't read too much about the leadership of north vietnam i will not lie but i haven't heard a single word calling the guy evil no like every time I see a fucking hipster douchebag with a Che Guevara shirt on, it's like you, you don't know anything okay. about Che Guevara. Like, yeah. Well, well, if you ask real nicely, you go down to Miami. There's a retired CIA guy that has Che Guevara's Rolex. Uh huh. Yeah, cut. He took it off. Yeah. Yeah, Che Guevara was a. Uh, Castro said he was too radical because Che said 
if the situation calls for nuclear war, then let's give it to him. That guy. That guy that all those hipsters are. Yeah, he said, start the, what What did he say? That last letter he wrote in his diary to his wife when he knew the CIA was hot on his tail. And he said, tell our kids to grow up to be strong revolutionaries because individually you are worthless. It is all about the revolution. Real great guy. We cannot have a free press in order to have a revolution. A free press is a capitalist tool. Real freedom fighter. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. I, uh, what's kind of funny is my family lived in Cuba before the revolution. Uh, my my grandfather, my mother's father, was a mining engineer, and they lived all over the world. And he was working in Cuba, and the family legend goes, he was a... I can't verify World War II stuff, but I know this guy was just, he was harder than woodpecker lips. And he's the guy that ta- taught me how to shoot a, a 1911. Um, so he was going to move his family for work to Cuba. And I guess he got approached by some company guys, uh, Christians in action. And, they were like, all right, listen, this is what we need because, you know, we know you're a good guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But what we're going to need for you, what we're going to need from you is if you do this, you put an X on this lamppost and blah. He was like, do you not know I got five fucking kids with me? All right. You need spy shit. Go hire spy people. I'm track downable. I have a wife. I have children. Go fuck yourself. In probably fewer words. And my grandfather is easily somebody I could see telling the CIA to go fuck themselves without a moment's hesitation. I'm pretty sure he would say it differently because I was going to say he was a gentleman like that, but that's just how he was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Lived in Manila, Tel Aviv, Cuba, Honduras. My aunt was born in Lima, Peru. Uh, uh, so the CIA is probably licking their chops at this guy. <laughs> oh, he's perfect. He's and, perfect. And he told them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. Yeah, not, not, not um, a lot of people yeah, get to say it's that. Like, live. It, it's like, listen, it's one thing if I was, you know, doing this shit stag on my own but i have a family that lives in a house that people know the address of yeah no yeah you hear shit like that you just go that's a different breed of man yeah because i mean i'm sure i could tell the cia no but telling them to go fuck themselves bold move cotton bold move let's Let's see if it pays off. It did. Yeah. Well, Castro also had a, an incredible intelligence network. No one likes to talk about that, that just how good his intelligence network was. And, uh, yeah. And that's the, uh, that's the really weird thing. Cause the Soviets and, their, and all their satellite nations had, they really did have fantastic intelligence. 
and it was Almost real. Depressing. It was real intelligence. What they call humans, human intelligence. They had it people came from this dude they right had, here. They had he people in the Manhattan Project. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> that is insane. Who's it? Um, Rosenberg and um, Klaus Fuchs. Jesus. I, I remember Rosen. I, I remember the name Rosenberg. Well, but, they were yeah. executed. Yeah, Klaus Fuchs. I think got away because I think he sold out some people. Um, shocker. Yeah. Yo, yo. Is that commander's the, commander's override handle? Jesus. Hydraulic safety switch. You don't press that. You don't get hydraulics or, or wait. Or is that a safety safety? So yeah, trigger, laser rangefinder, or that's yeah. So this is going to be mounted on the side of the turret, so boss man can grab it. Fuck yeah. And put in work. Fuck yeah. That's insane. Um. I'm getting sidetracked to keep. By the way, I can I can go longer mm. than than what we what we planned on. I got nothing doing. Fuck yeah. Um, Let me get the. Fan. I'm on as as the labor department states that I am underemployed. I am so. Uh, Grand Theft Auto. I am employmentally challenged. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disability. I'm employmentally challenged. Um. How does how does the latest version of the M1? Stack up to the Armada, A A R M A T A, and mm -hmm. latest Armada. and latest Chinese tanks. Um, now I didn't okay, know that I'm, you mentioned it earlier. Sorry, I didn't know there were multiple versions of the M1. So you said there's M1 A1, M1 A2. Yeah, and right now we're at M1 A2 set B3. Um, what does that mean? I don't fucking know. Uh, I know there's, I don't know when it happened, but like you have an auxiliary power unit, like a small little generator, so you could run everything on the tank, but the drivetrain, there's, uh, you went from an old, very awkward, uh, commander's weapon station with the 50 cal to a crow's mount, which is a remotely operated weapon system which is going to make the tank commander have to command the tank like Ace Ventura kind of out of the side of I mean because crows are awesome man they have great optics great fire control and range finding and all that cool shit but it blocks up a significant portion of your field of view uh, okay I'll put it to you this way uh the Armada, the current Russian tank, uh, it doesn't stack up against the Abrams because no one's seen an Armada outside of a parade. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's the same thing in aviation. Don't buy the A model of anything. When it comes to Russian tanks, don't go with version one. Go with the one that's been around for 40 years. <laughs> There's a reason the T-72 is still around because way back in the Cold War days, the T-72 and the M-60 Patton were about as close to as either side had to parody. Mm -hmm. Like 
like the T-72 was a smaller, probably a little bit more maneuverable tank. M60 probably packed a slightly more high-velocity punch. But the M1 came around changed the game. Uh, the Armada... Um, can't now. Uh, well, not only that, but until things change... The Russian army is still dealing with conscript troops. They want to do their two years. They want to go the fuck home. Mm. Two years is not enough time to gain true you're not going to be wildly capable mm -hmm. with your chosen platform. I mean, shit. I mean, it's like a car. The longer you drive the car, it starts to just, a sing, this single specific car, it starts to become an extension of your body. And then you drive a mm -hmm. friend's car and you're like, what the fuck is this? Okay, but drive a car, shoot at other cars, <laughs> avoid hitting or purposely hit other cars but your driver's 10 feet away and cannot hear you unless you got an intercom on and you don't know if he was getting sleep last night like he should have or if he was jerking off uh, it takes time to build troop proficiency well, it's like the old saying goes, amateurs practice till they get it right. Professionals practice until they cannot get it wrong. Yeah. Like it's adverse weather, nighttime, zero visibility, zero white light. You can do the job that you were trained to do because you've done it so fucking much that you, you literally don't know how mm. to not do it. Yeah. Um, once, once the, uh, Ruskies managed to get themselves a professional force, I mean, I'm not shitting on Russians. They're tough fucking people. They're, they're, they're tough, man. They're $2 steak tough, but two years is not enough time. Yeah. Um, I used to joke about it that I probably spent more time at the rifle range than most Soviet troopers spend in uniform. Jesus. And that is not to say that they are low quality soldiers because I really don't know, but two years is not enough time. Yeah. Especially when you have to do military shit, like have unit cohesion. I know who that guy is by his silhouette. I can tell by the way he walks. Oh, that's... So-and-so. Yeah. So-and-so. Oh, yeah, that's the guy from Third Squad. He's got that weird sort of Oompa Loompa thing to his walk. Yeah. That it's, it's that level of proficiency that sets us apart. And not to mention, thanks to you, the American taxpayer, we spend shitloads of time training. Yeah. We burn lakes of fuel. We shoot mountains of shells. You guys pay taxes so that your boys can get good at this. Yeah. 
And I hate to say it, that we are good at this. We We're are fantastic good at, this. at it. It's again George Carlin. We can't build a VCR worth a damn. We we can goddamn bomb you. That's what we're good at, because we do it a lot. But yeah, it's yeah, man. You don't just want a military and just because none of it matters if it's all just theory. If it happens, because everyone knows that's never how anything plays out. But if that's just what you do, like when the NFL first started, these guys always had jobs in the off season, mm-hmm. and sold cars, worked at offices, because. But then, you know, fast forward 50 years, and this is what you do from age seven until the day you retire. Like, it's, it's if you practice nonstop, yeah, it's not, it's just, you're a different animal. It's not even, it's one thing if your technology is better. It's another thing if your technology is better and that's all, if you're the Harlem Globetrotters of what you do. And it's, you're right, con- I think there's another quote we were talking, you said earlier, like, seven studs versus a hundred shitheads. Mm-hmm. Isn't there's another quote that's like I will gladly take a hundred volunteers over ten thousand conscripts? I think it's much older. I think maybe like Revolutionary War, but it's like, dude, if you have someone that's like I am going to go fight for you to the death, like that's someone that's just like made up their mind that like this is what I'm gonna do, versus mm-hmm. like ah, I gotta go do these two years, but I really wanna, you know, I really Study wanna watchmaking. Yeah, you know. I really wanna teach calculus. I really wanna I- whatever. I was talking. I was talking to a, a couple of guys, and they asked me like, "What do I? What I felt about you know a national draft?" And I was like, "Nope, not a fan." Doesn't work. And well, I mean, my thought was, "Well, what if we can't raise enough bodies to fight the next war? Then maybe you don't fucking get to fight the next war." I, but for good, bad, or indifferent, America's young men always seem to respond to the call to arms. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I shit on millennials for being a terrible generation filled with awful people until I met Generation Z, I have reversed course. <laughs> but I will give the millennials, I will never try and take this from them. In the history of the American fighting man, nobody has fought more in different places, year in, year out, voluntarily, than your generation of people. I don't know that. Like, look, after 9-11. To be fair, man, yeah, we've been at war for the majority of my life. Swamped with kids that were like, let's do this and like I said as, as much as I shit on them and I do that that it's just World War II was 41 to 45 for us global war on terror you had 19 year old kids with neck tattoos going dude I've been doing this shit 12 fucking years yeah, dude, I've got nothing, nothing but love and respect. But damn, you did it voluntarily. Yeah. So how do I feel about drafts? Not a fan. Yeah. For us, 
places like Israel where you're surrounded surrounded by the by mob. a whole bunch of people that really don't like you and the sea. And it's and it, it, they it believe makes, it's their it, it makes sense yeah. that everybody should be able to sling a gun. I feel like Israel would probably, even if it wasn't mandatory, I feel like they'd probably still, even if it was voluntary, it, and this is just speaking out of my ass, but I feel like it probably, they'd probably still have like 99%. Because like, you're literally, you're surrounded by like a sea of holy fire that believe that their creator of the universe thinks that you are a vermin that needs to be erased. Yeah, that's a, that's a... <laughs> you are surrounded by crazy ex-girlfriends. Like, oh, that was nicely said. Thank you, sir. But they got their shit pushed in every time they got froggy, didn't they? <laughs> Some Terry's acting which, froggy. <laughs> which, by the way, just in case, the M1A2 Leopard 2, I'm pretty sure the Korean Black Eagle and the Merkaba all have the exact same gun the exact same gun maybe a licensed produced copy i'm not sure about south korea but as they're fans of us so i'm pretty sure they'd want to use the most widely available ammo stock and that would be the 120 millimeter so yeah uh, I really should have fact-checked that before I said it, but I don't give a shit. Leopard, Leopard 2, Merkava, M1A2 all use the exact same gun. <laughs> Is another question from Tactical Thunder Punch. Oh, awesome name. Yeah. What's the craziest thing you saw that made you think, well, quote, well, I'm glad I'm locked in here. Also, has anyone attempted to cli climb and pry open, uh, pry a hatch open? Oh, okay, let me preface Two this. Questions. I have not, I have not done a combat deployment in a tank, right? Yeah, no, yeah, you practiced that the last time. I got yeah. out. I got out in 04. Um, I wasn't even locked in here when it happened. I was uh, sleeping on top of the turret on the blowout panels behind the tank commanders and loaders hatch when an earthquake hit. This is 1999 or so, huge earthquake. And I was at Fort Irwin and my wife is always amazed like the, by this because I can sleep like a log, but when I'm not at home, the slightest thing wakes me up. I mean, I'll go right back to sleep, but it's like, huh? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So I'm sleeping on the top of the turret. And then out of nowhere, a gust of wind comes up. It wasn't windy, just whoosh, gust of wind. I'm like, what the hell? And then the tank starts bouncing up and down. So it was a good sign. And I actually, I don't, I'm not sure if I said it because I don't trust my memory, or if I thought it. Either way is equally stupid. My first thought was, you idiot, stop jumping up and down on the tank. Because three dudes on the back deck jumping up and down aren't going to move that thing a fraction of a millimeter. And it's bouncing up and down. Yeah. And then I, I 
stick my head out of my sleeping bag and I can see a row of tanks moving okay. with the earth like this. And I went, oh, no. uh, uh, is this an earthquake? I'm pretty sure there's an earthquake. I think I'm about on the safest place I can fucking be. I'm sitting on top of this goddamn thing and we ain't going anywhere. The, uh, and by the way, if someone ever tries to get in your tank, there's a reason there are handles on the inside and not the outside. Like Fury, all right? They open the hatches, you combat lock that shit. You lock it from the inside. No one's getting you out of there without a gigantic torch and a plenty of a whole shitload of fuel to cut through it. Yeah. You remember the guy that went ape shit in San Diego, drove an M60 tank around yeah, and yeah, went over a got, bunch of shit? Got caught on the median. Yeah, he high centered. Yeah. He high centered the hull on the median. Side okay. note: I love the comments on that YouTube video because it's like typical American cops: shoot, kill first, ask questions later. And it's like he's in a tank <laughs> on well, a highway. My, 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 my favorite thing was the cops' radio transmissions. Like, we need to find out if this thing's loaded. Like, we leave tanks with a full basic load of ammo just lying around. Oh yeah. Uh, but what this what this guy did? Um, the M60 has an escape hatch right behind the driver's seat. What he did was basically loosened it so it was just hanging in there. And when he decided he was his day was today, he's going to shoot his shot, he just popped in through the escape hatch, bolted it back down, lit the engine up, and drove off. On the outside of the tank, on the turret, is the tank commander's hatch the loader's hatch? Well, the cops got up onto the turret with bolt cutters, cut the lock, securing the loader's hatch. Opened the loader's hatch, went, police, give up. And he gunned the engine and they split his wig. If he had taken 10 seconds to crawl back into the turret and combat lock that, they would just have to wait until he got bored and left the tank of his own accord mm -hmm. i mean either way he was high centered he wasn't going anywhere no he, yeah but yeah once you combat lock it from the inside good luck opening those hatches um it's kind of like a kill dozer marvin hemeyer oh marvin hemeyer yeah he went crazy he went crazy for a year and a half building that thing Listen, I don't know right or I'm not just he didn't he snapped. He didn't. You don't snap over a year and a half. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. I don't know shit about it. But have you ever like eighteen months of crazy? Someone should have seen him walking around smeared, smearing himself with peanut butter, butt naked, wearing wet weather boots. Going. I'll send you a, a short. There's like a ten minute documentary video on him. This is hilarious channel. This Irish guy that narrates it, dude. Marvin Hemeyer was literally. It was like the Joker, man. He was pushed. They, I think he says, is a reasonable man pushed to be unreasonable. He got yeah. fucked by bureaucracy. Well, I mean, and, and here's, once again, here's the thing. Hemeyer's dead. We're getting essentially the bureaucrat side of the story. I'm not saying, oh, he's a folk hero. I simply don't know enough to form yeah. an opinion. But I 
gotta admit, if you're gonna go, fuck man, yeah. he went big. Yeah, if you're gonna go out, he didn't kill anyone, so it's like no. it's easy. It's if he killed someone, it'd be a lot easier to be like fuck him. But because he didn't kill anyone, it's like I I, I don't condone the killdozer, but like kind of see where he was coming from like i don't agree with it but like i kind of see where he was coming from there's different ways to go about it but i mean but see listen it, god damn man get to have this conversation because he actually didn't kill anybody but himself mm-hmm. evidently not for lack of trying but the story takes a very different tone if he ran over some kid I don't know what down kind cops. of idiot yeah. kid would get run over by a fucking dozer that can't do more than four miles an hour. I'm pretty sure the polio ward of a hospital could wheel themselves out of there before the kill dozer arrived. But anyway. <laughs> okay. This, this thing couldn't catch okay. FDR going uphill. <laughs> All right. So, um, thank God I'm here. Yeah, it would have to be earthquake order when somewhere right around 1999 um, anything that can make a tank bounce on its suspension as it's sitting still that's like ugh. yeah it's an act of god yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, and clearly God loves the cavalry because we weren't much to. Our hair got a little bit messed up, so yeah. we had to, had to fix our shit in the morning. No, but uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank God I'm here. Is going to be earthquake. Uh, yeah, if you can next, make, if you can make an M1 Abrams bounce like a fucking like a hydraulic Cadillac in '92 South Central LA. There's some power behind that. Yeah, yeah, and my, I still can't believe that my first thought was, "You idiots, stop jumping! Stop on jumping the tank. on it!" Yeah, you could have twenty guys jumping up and down on the back deck. That thing ain't fucking moving. But I thought three idiots were playing grab ass on the back deck, especially in the colder months. You like sleeping on the back deck because the engine keeps things nice and warm. But nice and toasty. Uh, I was uh, sleeping on the blowout panels so that uh, I could still monitor the radio and not have to rotate my guys through radio watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd much rather have my guys well rested and, you know, 532 radio check, 532. That's it. That's all I needed to be awake for. Hey, one, so, yeah. One, one second. My dad's calling me. How large is Cthulhu Luau? How how large is an Abrams crew, and what does each crew member specialize in? Uh, Abrams is four crew members. Uh, the driver, pretty self-explanatory, uh, drives the tank and usually handles maintenance on the track and the engine itself. The loader, his job feeding rounds into the main gun, uh, making sure the radios are prepped, making sure all the machine gun ammo is 
not kinked because you got to remember the coaxial machine gun sits next to the loader on the right side of the tank. All the ammo for said coaxial machine gun is on the left side of the gun. So it's got to pass through a chute over the main gun and into the coax, into the coax. And if that shit gets kinked, everyone's going to be staring at the loader until he gets it unfucked. Um, he, uh, like I said, he feeds rounds into the main gun, the gunner. sends giant bullets where they need to be. He's responsible for scanning, identifying, engaging targets as they appear or as directed by the tank commander. The tank commander, obviously the boss. He's the guy that fights the tank as a unit. He doesn't micromanage the gunners like, oh, you make sure he's in No, he, he's responsible for fighting the vehicle itself and being on the intercom with the driver and then being on the intercom with the loader and then reporting up to hire on the radio and keeping your wingman uh, abreast of any information. Just He's a, a tank commander's a... a, a by necessity, a multitasking maniac. <laughs> is there? That's the four. That's the four crewmen. Is there? So my own question: Is <clears throat> there any future where all this becomes automated? Just like, I mean, down the same path as the the just drone warfare, like predators, where like you have a couple guys, but you're in a you're in a box a mile or on the other side of the world. Uh, um certain amount of automation probably um i don't know if a reduction in crew is a wise idea um i don't know if it was the marines or the army that fielded a um abrams chassis micklick mine clearing line charge now this is an abrams chassis its job is to shoot a rocket over a minefield that oh, rocket yeah, yeah, yeah. drags a whole shitload of PETN or Semtex or C4 or whatever it drags a rope of explosive down a path it blows up well the problem with a two man crew as it is in this Miklik vehicle is well when you break track you're fucked because you need at least three if you've got to move the vehicle and wrench track back on someone's going to have to drive the goddamn thing so it was it was the first thing i saw when it was like you know so and so announces a two person micklick vehicle based on an abrams chassis i was like two person are they all the dude who played the mountain from Game of Thrones? Because if not, that's a serious plot hole that you guys are going to have to work around. But I don't know. Maybe they work in pairs, and if somebody's track goes down, everybody jumps on and solves the problem. I don't know. But a two-person Abrams chassis is going to be a shitload of work for everybody. As for automation, 
I don't know, man. It looks like that's the way things are going, but I, you and I have talked about this before. I, 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 I have an issue when you literally have no skin in the game, like kids' lives are not at risk. Sure, that's a good thing. But when you don't risk anything, what what's to stop you? From, yeah, just going going berserk. Like, oh, yeah, just send the robo-tanks into Just level Kiev, it, yeah, destroy into it. Kiev destroy it all. Because we don't like the way the newspapers are yeah. set up. Take it all out, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, but that's my opinion on drones. I, I, we are undou- undoubtedly headed that way, and um, philosophically speaking, I don't know if we should. That's where I come out. Yeah, there's only one logical... I think Jocko Willing touched on this on Joe Rogan's podcast years and years ago. He was like, it's a very... He's like, it doesn't take much to just extrapolate that timeline. We make more and more drones. Eventually, the other side makes more and more drones. And then the next the next uh, arms race will be, okay, who can make more pilots for these drones? And then after that, it goes, okay, well, now the next step is just make them autonomous. And then it's after that, it goes, who has the better autonomous software? And then it just becomes you're battling each other's software before it even makes it to the drones. And that is one thing I always liked about Heinlein's uh, Starship Troopers. Because I'm pretty sure they said they had the technology to make it all automated. But the idea was to make war as personal as a punch in the face. And Skynet, eh, eh, probably that'll be first, but then someone will go, you know what? We need a human being with a conscience on this. Yeah. Well, you're right. You already do see it with drone strikes. I mean, it's one thing when like an F-22 gets shot down or something, but I mean, you know, a drone strike taking out one guy and taking down... And I'm not shit. I mean, I've had on drone operators on this podcast several times, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not shitting on them at all. I mean, just from the the greater I picture. I wouldn't want that job. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want that job. Shit. Hell from no. the greater picture, though, it is. It's a lot more sanitized when it only exists on like an infrared screen, and it's there's no mm-hmm. sound, and it's just plume. And you're just tracking metadata. You're just tracking cell phones. Bad guy gone. It's a lot less like you're taking a life, and it's more just like. Beep, cross that light out. Next one, beep. It's like Minesweeper. It's like you're not you're not there, you know? Skin in the game. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, to dovetail your statement, in no way shitting on those drone operator types because, like I said, I wouldn't want to do that. I'm a knuckle-dragging hairy gorilla. I belong on the ground. Mm-hmm. If if I can't see it, smell it, touch it, taste it, then I don't know. Is that really a target? Yeah. I don't. That's one of those things that if I punch the wrong target, I'll answer for it. But you're looking at a screen. I don't know what the resolution is. Yeah. Is it? Is it 1080p? Is it 4K? Is it fucking film with a potato? I don't know. Yeah. But 
luckily in my former line of work, I got to put my eyeball on something and go, okay, we can shoot at that. And something about that seemed right. Yeah. Shit, not as opposed to wrong. Just, I don't know, man. Just, I don't. Once we remove the humanity and the risk of human life in warfare, I think it's the progressive nature of human beings. I think we'll just start using them whenever. Yeah. Yeah. When it doesn't, when you're a trust fund kid and money doesn't mean anything, you just whip out the card. You're right. If it's just, hey, they're just, but on the flip side, it's also easy for me to say this because I don't have to go fight. If this was, if we lived in a nation with a draft where you had to go fight, I'd be like, fuck that, use the drones, right? So it's, I can also, I have the privilege of being able to sit in my ivory tower and, whoa, we should have a human in the game. Because I don't have to do that. I'm allowed to sit at home in sweatpants with a podcast. I don't have to go out there and start gunning people. It's, you know, it's a very... Well, I, listen, I, and, and that's one of those things that, that, that's why I always throw that caveat out there. That is just one asshole's opinion and, and... I would never. I'd never be conceited of conceited enough to go. You know what the problem is? No, yeah. no. Yeah. This is this yeah. is how I feel about it. Yeah, these are subjective opinions. We this isn't policy. And 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 you know, you know, the concept of having a nuanced opinion in this day and age is. How dare you? I, I think that ship's done sailed, but. Fuck that. Like I said, I don't know. Maybe I'm the asshole. I don't know. But uh, I'm not afraid I'm not afraid to say I don't know. I will die. I'm going to die on this hill. My podcast <laughs> as my podcast as my firearm. I will go down with an unpopular opinion. <laughs> the idea that you can't say certain shit because it offends people or because it goes against groupthink. This is my battle. <laughs> I will well, die on I this mean, hill. <laughs> I think it was Patton that said if everyone in the room is thinking the same thing, someone's not thinking. Something's wrong, yeah. Andy Stumpf, the SEAL Team 6 guy in Rogan, said when I'm in a, gr- when I'm in a group or a, like a chat forum and everyone has the same political view, he goes, I get a spidey sense. Something's not right. If there's not, yeah, it's the marketplace of ideas man that's why we have great cell phones because everyone's trying to get the next best one once you go i mean but but nowadays you're kind of witnessing the death of debate because somehow me disagreeing with your opinion means that you're disagreeing with who you are as a person and a statement of that a statement of admittance that you are a nazi who eats babies right it's you disagree (laughs) with me you racist fuck it's what we're talking about tanks (laughs) huh he said he hates gay baby whales god damn what no i was just saying that we shouldn't have automated tanks because oh what was that (laughs) Oh, you don't think Israel should be recognized? Why well, you put words in my mouth? That's, that's how quickly it goes, man. And I refuse to be a part of that. It's what did Mattis say? Mattis visited the killing fields when he was first getting into military. Uh, was it Khmer Rouge or Pol Pot? The killing fields. And Kim, he goes, well, Pol Pot's Khmer Rouge. Yeah, yeah. Were, yeah he goes those were the killing fields people. He goes, yeah. He goes, the first ones dead are the teachers and the writers, because you have to just. You have to chop out all dissenting opinion and then people 
able to think on their own and people uh, people able to teach others how to think on their own. You got to kill that. You got to get rid of that. Get everyone in line really quickly. That happens in every communist revolution, man. It's and you just you got to kill back to Che Guevara. You cannot have a free press. When when the when the primary facet of your movement is we have to silence everyone and get them all in line, man, that's it's it's only a, it's not if but when does everyone start getting put up against a wall? It always happens. It it's mm. it's the most it's like your friend that chases the same kind of girl and after eleven failed relationships and you're like you know what's happening. Like you're not stupid. I don't feel bad for you. Like you know what's going to happen, right? Redheads yeah. Like I'm here for you. I'm your friend. Tattoos. Yeah. You can sleep on my cot when this eventually goes to hell. But like I don't feel bad for you anymore. But you know it's communism. Like you, it, it unplays in the same way every time on different continents in different decades and centuries. And it always ends up with mountains of skulls. It always ends that way. Yep. And because the the the, I'm not. If I walked across a university campus once. Uh, for me, the, the the whole communist ideology thing is just. They really forgot that one central thing of people want shit. Yeah. Yeah. The state will provide. Well, you guys couldn't provide shoes. They didn't. They didn't experiment where someone just started a line in front of a door in Moscow, and people just started lining up behind them. Oh, there's a line. There's got to be something at the end of it. I uh, when I was I, I was real smart as a kid. I don't know what happened. I drank away a bunch of brain cells when I was in my twenties. But uh, my uh, my dad was had something on uh, the Berlin Mall on TV when I was you know a little guy, and you know he was explaining East and West Germany. You know he was like, "This is our side," or you know, "We're on one side, we're on, they're on the other." And I was like, "So we're the good guys." And he goes, "What makes you say that?" I said, we don't put our wire up to keep people in. And he kind of kind of gave me a like a like a one third head nod, which is about as close to acknowledgement as I was ever going to get. But uh, yeah, I mean, hell, even as a little guy, I was like, you don't fence in a place because you're worried about people leaving it. Yeah, it's. JFK, that's what he said. God forbid we have to have a wall to keep our people in. Hey, man, the best nightclubs are the ones that people line up to go to, not the ones that they're a barbed wire. You will have fun. You will dance to the rhythm. Enjoy your youth, damn it! Yeah, with a couple of Ivans on the corners with Kalashnikovs. Like, you will dance. Feel this. But only the state-approved dance. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah. <laughs> Still defaulting to my <laughs> '80s movie bad guy Russian accent. Yeah, but I mean, really, you don't you don't you don't put a fence around something that people want to voluntarily be in, man. Well, see, 
that was a that was a, that was a real weird moment when I was like, all right, let's get a show of hands here. And who remembers East and West Germany? I'm looking at a crowd full of pockets. Just, well, I guess that's me. I remember East and West Germany. I remember. I worked in printing for a while, and I worked on Heidelberg Press that said made in the American sector of West Germany, like the American sector of West Germany. And it was like, shit, man, time does fly. East and West Germany, that used to be a thing. Ain't a thing no more. Yeah, I mean. The Cold War was a thing. It was sure there was a lot of tension but goddamn, you knew who the bad guys were because they told you they were the bad guys and they told you that they hated you yeah I'm... yeah that's I, think... <laughs> I, I guess i i appreciate the heads up I... yeah thank you yeah it's it's and a good day to you it's but that's also why they say that that made Gen X the most cynical generation on the planet. Because we we grew up in the shadow of inevitable nuclear Armageddon. So. A shadow that still exists, but that we just all pretend went away in '91. <laughs> they're all still, all those silos, man. They're still right there. They're all pointing at each other. Well, I mean, nukes are one of those things that. Nukes are what the Gatlin guy I mean, wanted. I, I, I understood what Oppenheimer said when yeah. when he quoted the Bhagavad Gita and said, yeah. I, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. He was like, I did a good thing, but oh, damn, was it a really, really horrific thing. Yeah, but if he didn't open that bottle, we would have got some other scientists too. It's like what Truman said about the H-bomb and the Beardlot project when they were first debating whether or not they would do it, which, by the way, they used to refer to in uh, encrypted communication as Campbell. Campbell as in Campbell soup. Soup as in the super bomb. So they call it Campbell. Oh, High, highest, super. Highest echelons of intelligence. Let's call it Campbell. I got an idea. It's, But he said, you know, it's like, should we create this? And I think Enrico Fermi and Oppenheimer said, quote, this is an evil thing. But then the next question was, can the Soviets do it? And they said, yeah, within a couple of years. So we have to do it. So it's 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 it's, an, it's a horrible thing. But like, damn, might as well have the horrible thing. Might as well have it first. It's and you know what? It's Gatling wanted his gun or the TNT guy. The nukes actually kind of did it. <laughs> I mean, it, it is, it is, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's the ultimate fucking card to play. All right. You want to do this? We can do that. Yeah. Everyone has and, a royal flush. Nobody want to do that. Yeah. It's not even the ultimate card. Everyone now has the option to flip the table. <laughs> like <laughs> the ultimate monopoly ender, the table. Yeah. Flip. Everyone has the ability to shoot the dealer. Like it's just. But in a way, it has. Like, we've still had proxy wars since Hiroshima and Nagasaki at those two dates. But, like, you've never had a full-out slugfest because you can't anymore. Well. In a way, it's worked. In a way. It's big, big asterisk. In a way, it's worked in that you will never have an all-out 
World War II, no one was holding punches. The reason why no one used nukes is because no one had them yet. <laughs> it was literally like, it wasn't We something. had two and we you, used them both. Yeah, we literally. Uh, okay, okay. Delay. We had three. Yeah, we we had, used them all. Yeah. And you got to remember that mm, 60 miles that way is. Alamogordo? No, I don't live in New Mexico. I live in Vegas. I thought you were talking about it the is, first nuke. No, that way is the atomic test site. What that fun-filled facility is what brought both of my families here. And everybody gets cancer. You're getting cancer. You're getting cancer. Everybody's everybody getting gets cancer. cancer. I thought you were talking about the first nuke, Alamogordo, New Mexico. No, no. Uh, my uh, my granddad, my father his mother everybody worked out at the test site yeah biggest government owned parcel of land period in the and united states and you see that shit from google earth and it just looks pockmarked creepy and remember when i was a kid uh because uh, i don't know which president did it but one of the uh, uh nuclear arms limitation was for above ground testing mm-hmm they would televise below ground testing in the classroom here i am third grade looking at a stretch of desert a mile across going what's going to go on here and it lifts up and then just collapses back down i'm like oh we got these things pointed at each other perfect bingo yeah wonder why we're cynical yeah it's they actually do you know they actually used the and it's it's hilarious because of how beautifully it leads into like conspiracy theories but do you know they actually armstrong and aldrin were actually they would put them in like their suits and they'd have them walk around the nuclear craters in the test site because it was the closest thing that we could we could uh create as to like a testing facility for what the lunar surface would be like hmm I so that's did the, not know that. That's the hilarious part is like we actually did have them out in your area 51. And, and Kubrick filmed the whole thing. Oh, shut the fuck Well, no, up. the caveat is actually because Kubrick was such a stickler, he wanted it filmed on on, uh, on, on location, location, so they filmed it yeah. on the moon. It's uh, They faked it, but they faked it on the moon. <laughs> um, What was the most... That's not how you're supposed to use that thing you did with a tank. Or tank component. Okay. There are two stories here. (sighs) Now... First story, I will confirm or or deny nothing. I wasn't there. Had nothing to do with it. At all. But it's not uncommon for soldiers to that are going to go out into the field or to do gunnery. That's the rifle range for tanks. To bring some alcoholic refreshment with them. Now, if you want to keep things on the D-low, you, you go with hard alcohol because beer just takes up way too much space. 
easiest place to hide something, especially inside of a tank, especially a large bottle of vodka, is to wrap it in a towel, throw it in the breach, close the breach. Nobody sees nothing. Unless you wind up on a bunch of shitty work details, having to draw ammo and do this, and uh, the battalion commander wants someone else to do maintenance on his tank, and, and essentially two or three days go by, and you kind of forgot about the vodka. And it's almost always vodka, because you can mix it with damn near anything. Or drink it straight like a goddamn man. Well, you get out to the firing line. You're going to proof this lot of ammo. You're going to send it down range and make sure it goes where it's supposed to go. The breach gets dropped. The tank commander tells the loader to put this round into the breach. He puts it in the breach. He hears a tink. And his eyes get as wide as saucers. And he looks over at the gunner. The gunner's eyes get as wide as saucers because it's his fucking vodka. And just went... The loader throws the round into the breach. Breach closes. He arms the gun and yells, up. The tank commander, who does not know anything, is amiss, gives the fire command. And while the gunner is trying to join by osmosis the paint on this side of the turret... (laughs) touches off the trigger and at which point range control goes ape shit calls out their bumper number charlie three two clear and elevate your gun because a 35 foot blue fucking flame shot out of the end of the gun Now, it's safe to say that when these gigantic projectiles go off, a bit of sound and fury is to be expected. But on a night fire, a gigantic blue flame is obvious. Who's alien? A little obvious. Who's alien? I don't know. So the guys from range control go down and they're, they're jumping up and down and angry at everything because that's what range control guys do and something was amiss but they couldn't tell what was wrong something happened but they didn't know what because it's safe to say that vodka bottle was obliterated into its atomic form as well as the towel that kept it safe inside the breach everything was fucking incinerated They knew something was wrong, but they couldn't pin it on anybody because they didn't know what it was because nothing existed. That is not how you are supposed to use the main gun. Now, 
this one happened to me. I can confirm this. Um, this is really not a funny story, but um, Ford Irwin were doing a uh, we're doing a movement at night, and one of the tanks that was going around a curve on an embankment turned too sharp, started to slide down the embankment and came down like this and then rolled over. And it is a radio call that still gives me goosebumps, you know, roll over, roll over, roll over. Five, three, two is rolled over. Cause that usually kills two guys, the tank commander and the loader because they're usually sticking out of the turret. Luckily, that little slide that they went down, everyone had enough time to duck inside, brace themselves as the tank rolled over. My tank commander says, grab the fire extinguisher, get out there. Get out, run down the road. Uh, there was a little tiny fire nothing that you know a tiny little fire extinguisher didn't handle and there i am standing on the belly armor of an abrams with guys in my unit stuck inside now i did not know it would do this but it makes perfect sense when a tank is on its turret the guys that were all upside down, somebody grabbed the manual traverse handle and started turning it because the driver's hole was unobstructed. So the driver opened up his hatch. They turned the traverse so that everyone could get out of the turret down through the driver's hole. And there I am standing on the belly armor of Ben Abrams as it's moving fractionally slow because it's being traversed. Yeah. And then I realized, oh shit, everybody's, well, not everybody, people are alive. Someone's moving the turret. We get down there, there's a bunch of broke, busted ribs. I want to say a, a broken arm, a broken collarbone. But standing on the belly armor of an Abrams, especially as it's, turning moving glacially slow is not how that is supposed to happen an upside down tank is always a bad thing if it's on your side that was <clears throat> that was one of those ones where you go i don't think shit's supposed to be like this but like i said medevac got called in and my first time seeing a medevac with night vision goggles because holy shit man helicopters generate a lot of static electricity that you can clearly see with your nods on that kind of freaked me out a little bit it freaked me out because everyone was alive and we didn't have much to worry about that's insane yeah uh that was that was a long goddamn night because those guys Thank God for that little embankment, because like I said, a rollover, that usually kills a couple of guys, but you know, 
guys got banged up pretty bad, but everybody lived. And it was super weird to see the muzzle of a tank buried three feet into the gravel. Just, man, this shit is unnatural. Yeah. But you got to do shit like that because nobody died. You had to go, man, this, holy shit, look at, man, this is weird. Because nobody died. Yeah. We lost a couple of guys, and then who gives a shit about the vehicle? Yeah. Yeah, so that's my... not supposed to be this way yeah (laughs) not supposed to be this way stories what that that vodka one is brilliant (laughs) what vodka one Uh, that's a story i heard from someone Uh, yeah yeah uh did i ever tell you about the fire suppression system going off no you did not let's do it Okay, um, this is essentially my first time driving not in a truck. It's my first time out at Fort Irwin. I'm down in the driver's hole, being tickled pink to drive this behemoth around, and uh, we are doing some kind of simulated shit now the way you simulate simulate a the main gun firing is you have a device that sits atop the main gun called the hoffman device now the hoffman is basically dynamite wired into your fire control system you squeeze the trigger this thing gets a charge and a little stick of dynamite and a steel tube goes bow well something happened i'm driving and the gunner fires a simulated round the Hoffman goes off and the fire extinguisher and the driver's hole went off now when you think fire extinguisher you think the same thing I think right no it's bang white can't see shit said bang yeah, yeah. There was no. It emptied a bottle. This shit. I eighteen inches around, at least two feet tall. It emptied it in zero seconds. Bang. And I can't see shit because the air is white. And my tank commander's on the intercom saying, "Driver, hold right track. Turn right." Driver, hold right track. He's thinking I got my head on my ass. Driver, hold right track. Driver, driver, where the fuck are you going? And here's the the funny thing. The fire suppression system in the M1A1 was a Halon system. Now, I don't know the chemistry of it, but Halon stops fire by removing oxygen from the air which puts me in quite a pickle because I need oxygen. But the funny thing is, you know what helium does to your voice? Yeah. Halon does the exact opposite because I got my tank commander yelling into my intercom, driver, where the fuck are you going? 
and I got on the intercom sounding like Barry White. I was like, something blew the fuck up in here. I don't know what it is. He grabbed the override, he turned the turret, and kind of below his seat, he kind of stuck his hand into the driver's hole. He felt the blast of cool air, which is not a good thing in July in the Mojave Desert. He was like, put it in fucking neutral, close to a goddamn stop, get your fucking hatch open. And I'm... Man, so put the tank in neutral. You don't got to go slamming on the brakes, right? It's a big bitch. She will stop. I get my hatch open and I get the breath of life. I'm like, Ugh! and then he kind of leans down and looks into the driver's hole. He's like, "You okay there, man?" I was like, ah, "I'm feeling a little woozy." <laughs> so medics came by and said some shit probably like yeah that probably took 15 years off his life but yeah he's all right now that is when i learned the cold efficiency of saving a tank that's why the fire suppression system is halon because you can replace a tank crew in one helicopter ride you cannot replace a main battle tank in theater easily. Yeah. So doing the math, they figure, eh, f- fuck it. If they need to breathe, they'll get out. We'll pay the insurance. Yeah. 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 That was a. Well, that was a that was a that was a lesson in the mathematics of. Yeah, of modern warfare. Yeah, we can get a new crew, yeah. but shit, man, we can't get a new tank. So. Yeah, that takes a C five Galaxy, a bunch of fuel, or I don't know. It's, it's, a, big, it's a it's a big deal. Or fuck it, they don't need oxygen. Or though. just I don't know. Write a couple letters, pay some insurance, and uh, keep the tank in there. Department of Defense regrets to inform you that your son is dead because fuck him. <laughs> I didn't like him anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that he was died. A... You'll be happy to know that the Abrams is fully operational. <laughs> Here is a DVD on fun facts about the Abrams. <laughs> oh shit! Back in the days when History Channel used to show that shit. I know, yeah. man. Oh, I forgot to mention. Um, talking about old rounds. Um, up until the M1A1, uh, the M60 through most of its iterations and the first series of the M1 had a 105 millimeter rifled gun. The, what do they call it now? The mobile gun system? The the striker with a 105 millimeter gun? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a large stockpile of very diverse ammunition available for the 105. Whereas the Abrams, you essentially get canister, sabo, and heat. Uh, beehive rounds were still a thing. Those are flechette rounds that you can fire from your tank and turn your tank into the ultimate dart-throwing murder machine. And evidently, there's still stockpiles of that lying around and Jesus I guess it's I don't even know if the modern 
mobile gun system can use it, but holy shit, a flechette round. A 105 millimeter flechette round. Oh, I would consider giving at least two toes to have a 120 millimeter flechette round. What? Just what? to go long to the canister round, just to say, it's fuck all y'all season. What? What exactly is what exactly is a flechette round? I know like vaguely what it is. I might be able to provide you Please with a visual aid because that's the kind of guy I am. Beautiful. I said might strenuously. I added strenuously later, as the record will show. Nah, shut up, you. Right. Why you gotta why you gotta call me out like this? I'm sorry. That's alright. That's alright. Just wait till wait till I bust out the visual aid that I made sure I had before we started. Um yeah. okay, flechette rounds. You can still find them for shotguns. They're thinned darts. Uh I don't know what the size of the ones in, in the hundred and five millimeter were, but uh shit man, uh I know you can buy 12-gauge flechette rounds with three-quarter-inch projectiles, something like that. Jesus. Well, I mean, I, it, it makes sense. Something like Vietnam, it was super easy for flechettes to penetrate cover because they're fucking darts, man. They're going to go through that shit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, shit, man. God damn it. All right. Now I'm an asshole. Yeah, they're, uh, yeah, thinned darts that, uh, like I said, I wish I knew how many of them went into a main gun. Jesus. I am absolutely clueless. Do you think that they're the same size and just like a whole lot of them, or do you think they scale up the actual darts? Uh, that's an excellent, that's an excellent question because I really don't know the answer. Uh, Knowing army procurement methods, it would make sense to buy one size flechette mm-hmm. and just fill it up. Twenty thousand of them into one shell, but sometimes Uncle Sugar don't always make the goodest of sense. Sometimes, sometimes, other times he makes perfect sense. Hang on a second, I'm ducking off screen for a quick second here, just to check, just to check one more tiny drawer full of random shit. That's fine, no rush. It's, uh, uh, all right, so what's your next question, dog? Oh, um, you talked about this last time, but I figure we'll go over it again. What is it like in the cabin when the cannon blasts? What is it like when the main gun goes off inside of the cabin? And I remember I was surprised at your answer last time. Uh, yeah, it's inside the turret. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, now, uh, down in the driver's hole is different because you're a lot closer to the dangerous end of, you're a lot closer to the dangerous end of the gun. So the driver feels a lot more concussion than anything else. Um, You hear it, but you don't hear it. Um, You feel the gun go off. But what I heard, and it might have been the... uh, the awesomeness of the noise-canceling Bose crewman 
helmet that I had, but uh, you heard the gun recoiling. You heard it go ching because the noisy end of the gun is 17 feet that way behind a whole shitload of armor. Yeah. Uh, I really didn't even memory being what it is. I don't even really remember feeling like overpressure or anything. It was just the gun going through its path of recoil and spitting out the round base of the rounds you just shot because the case of the the case of the ammo is made of cellulose so it just burns the fuck up with everything else and gets spat out vodka style out of the end of the gun so I've heard so I've heard legend has it like I said I'm pretty sure that someone's head they wanted somebody's head to roll but they couldn't figure out you couldn't figure out who the house or the lies uh yeah it's the inside the inside of the turret is kind of a noisy place your turret hydraulics are going if you didn't have your cvc combat vehicle crewman helmet on the hydraulic pumps alone would drive you insane because it's a high-pitched whine that never stops. But the helmets do a fantastic job of canceling that shit out. So the hydraulics aren't as loud, eh, but you have an overpressure system built into the tank so that when the gun goes off, there's not even a little tiny bit of smoke that comes back into the turret. Everything yeah. Yeah. due to overpressure gets pushed out of the gun tube it's um oh it moved the tank plenty but yeah I, I, like i said you don't you don't really hear a boom in the turret the driver yeah he he, he gets a much better dose of it mm. but yeah inside the turret it's actually I'm not going to say anticlimactic because the sound of the gun recoiling is still fucking awesome. It sounds like a gigantic 1911 going. Or that's. Once again, my caveat, that's how I remember it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like I said, inside the turret, it's a noisy place filled with three dudes and a shitload of things that go boom. Yeah. 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 once again, let's go back to Fury. Inside the turret, you saw the gun leap back. They made no attempt to try and go, oh, this gun went boom. Yeah. Because the noisy end's that way. Yeah. Way the fuck that way. And you're kind of surrounded by steel, which, good for you, but... Make, like I said, anticlimactic's the right word. Just, it isn't... It isn't what you think. It's not like all those. The gun recoils, the breech drops, the tiny piece of shell that's left gets dropped out of the back, and all is good in the world. Yeah, it's not like. It's not like all those videos you see of, like, you know, standing next to an artillery piece. 
No, there's a reason those guys are all deaf. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, but if you were inside, if you were inside the artillery piece, not that bad. Yeah. Not bad. If it can be revealed, what is the protocol to disengage from battle if his tank was damaged or a crew member was wounded and or killed? So is there a protocol for, I guess, I don't know, abandoning ship or just not abandoning ship? I don't know. Disengage from battle. So whatever that would entail. Okay, let's let's talk about the super obvious. Uh, lose a crewman. Uh, you continue. Uh, let's say your loader gets schwacked. Sad and unfortunate, but now the tank commander is now the loader. Um, if your gunner dies, probably everyone in the turret is dead. So you don't... But the tank commander can do his job from his position. If the tank commander dies, then the gunner becomes the tank commander and the gunner. If you lose the driver, then you got to pull him out and then replace him with somebody not dead. Uh, I hear the phrase like disengage. Uh, I'm assuming my tank got busted. And I am no longer combat effective. If things are sporty enough and the tank cannot be recovered by tank recovery, guys, tank mechanics in those gigantic behemoths that they drive around it, those are the guys that recover you. Usually, if you can't recover your wingman with a tow bar or cables because people are shooting at you, yeah, there's a there's procedures to deny you to deny the vehicle to the enemy so that nothing of importance can be recovered from it. Mm-hmm. And it's all pretty obvious, and I'm not going to get into detail, but it it involves... Thermite. Exactly, where you place the thermite. Yeah. And... and Well, it's the same thing in Black Hawk Down. That's, like, the important thing is, like, they want to get the bodies, but they're also like, you got to go melt those avionics, because that will be sold to the highest bidder. Yep, if... uh... If someone could reach into the loader's hatch and somehow break the fuck out of that radio mount, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's a market somewhere for encrypted FM radios. I'm sure. Yeah. Now, so strategically placed thermite grenades in very key locations, and you burn that bitch up. Uh, if your wingman can recover you, if someone has a set of tow bars, then you, you just drive. You just drive away. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, didn't really practice that. Now it might be because I was out at Fort Irwin, and our job was to 
dress and act like Russians. Go figure. But uh, yeah, we yeah we didn't we we didn't practice a lot of battlefield recovery, and I wasn't on a first name basis with our tank mechanics because knock on wood, I never blew a power pack, uh, which your engine transmission is in one piece called a power pack. I never blew a power pack and I never threw a track off of a tank. So I didn't know those guys too well. You had some guys, drivers that were kind of slack with their maintenance and even worse with their driving. When they throw a track, yeah, they got to get the tank mechanics out there, get the track, break it, line it up, drive the tank onto it, secure it back up, tension it back, and then drive off. Yeah, it seems like such a bitch to do. Well, I mean, I certainly would never glamorize it. Uh, Tanks are fucking, tanks are still cool to me. But they are a fuck ton of work. And changing track is just one of those things like you hear the phrase we gotta we're getting new track. You hear that with the same sort of joy that you hear IRS audit or anesthesia free colonoscopy. Like <laughs> like it's it it's just oh fuck. But if you're <clears throat> many hands make light work, usually your wingman's crew will help with the muscle. And if you're not doing everybody's tank, then all hands are on deck. Everyone's doing some work to help swap out the track. Yeah. If if he had worked with or yet, yeah, have you any work? I'm having a stroke. Have you worked with any other older tanks previously or even in training? And how did they stack up to the M1? So have you fucked with any other tanks? Yes, I have. Um, Say what? Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, got inside a and drove, did some rudimentary maintenance on a Russian design Polish built T-55 comparing that to an Abrams just it isn't fair it's comparing a spad biplane to a P-51 it's barely the same thing uh the thing about this T, the T fifty five was, um, if memory serves, it was one of the last mass produced Russian tanks that had a four man crew. Because Russians love having an auto loader, they love that shit. Having an auto loader reduces the overall dimensions of your tank and leaves you with a three man crew. I have my own prejudices. I'd rather have a loader with a spare set of hands and a spare set of eyes. Mm -hmm. That's me. Um, (sighs) 
I remember getting into the T-55 and just going, huh, ammo stored wherever, unarmored fuel lines just running along the floor. Oh, these things are fucking death traps. That's why the Russians made 100,000 of them. Someone's like, yeah, T-55 got a kill. Yeah, it probably killed its crew too. So two for the price. It's a crew like a suicide bomber gets a kill. It's like, yeah, but. But, huge asterisk there. Yeah. Uh, uh, my It was my first experience with a manual transmission tank. I don't remember it. I really don't. I wish I did, but I don't. It had a manual transmission with a stick shift with a shift pattern that only made sense if you were living off potatoes and vodka and diesel fumes. Like, it was... I wish I could remember it, but it was like... Wait, man. This, wait, shouldn't... If one is here, shouldn't two be there? But no, one, two, four, eight, or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, been inside a few British chieftains that mainly served as props in Hollywood when you couldn't get an Abrams. Uh, the chieftain I mostly remember because it was the first tank that had a supine driver's position, which means the driver was essentially laying down and driving the tank. The Abrams has the same seating position. You're like getting your lazy boy and put it all the way back. That's essentially the driver's position. Um, That's weird. Why would they have? Uh, it's, if I have to guess, it's got to do with item number one, constantly driving while you're buttoned up instead of the old school M60 days where your driver was driving with his head out all the time because you did that shit in an Abrams, your egg, your egg gets crushed. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if the chieftain is the exact same way, but I do know first tank with a supine driver's position. Uh, Don't really have an opinion on that one because... We didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Um, been in several iterations of the last M60, the uh, M60A3. So that was our main battle tank before the Abrams came on scene. And wow, that is a roomy turret in there. Like, you could play volleyball in that shit. I got into an M60 for the first time. I was like... Well, I have so much room for activity. <laughs> so much just, room for activity. <laughs> now, now, I'm pretty sure that, you know, you give it a full basic load of ammo. I'm pretty sure that free space disappears quick. But it just seemed roomy. Like, I mean, all tanks are cramped, more or less. But, I mean, hell, you get inside an M4 Sherman and you go, Wow. I can do this with my arms if yeah. I wanted to. Yeah. Meanwhile, in an Abrams, you're smacking your fire control system or the breach of your main gun. You're, 
you're cramped. Your free space is extremely limited. Uh, but you're also damn near indestructible in an eight rooms. Trade-off. Trade-off. Elbow room. <laughs> invincibility. That <laughs> feeling of invincibility. Yeah, that's uh, often all you need. Been in a, a British self-propelled gun called the Abbott, which I'm pretty sure you can buy the buy those on eBay right now, and uh, super easy to drive. Uh, four-speed transmission, I think. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things what kind of tank is that it's not a tank it's an artillery piece well, it's the same thing no 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 they're really not yes it has tracks yes it has turrets yes it has a gun not the same thing ah, same thing same kind of people that say magazine and clip ah they're the same thing no they're not it's a 200 round assault magazine uh, don't give me that don't give me that, you. It's a 200-round uh, pistol within an automatic clip. Uh, it's a 30-magazine clip. Oh, Jesus, the worst kind. Uh, been inside a, a couple of different Shermans, and... I'm not going to say roomy, just because I'm sure if they had the technology we had today, they would cram it with just as much shit as we did. But... Like, little things were weird. Uh, you had power traverse for the turret, but elevation and depression of the gun was controlled manually. And the trigger was a foot switch. My first thought is, you get a guy with new boots, he's accidentally going to shoot somebody. Like, oh, shit, ah, I forgot the trigger. That's what it is in, like, Fury, though, right? Yeah, no, it's, no, it's 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 a foot switch, and, and uh, just the idea of a five man crew, a driver, assistant driver, which is also the bow gunner, loader, gunner, tank commander. Many hands make light work, man. That shit sound that it sounded awesome to me. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have to go to war in one, so yeah, so my my. My evidence of it is anecdotal, but uh, the Sherman I found really interesting because it's modularity. Okay, you're you were buttoned up and you took a round and you got a jack in the box explosion where your turret pops off. Okay, well you're division tank mechanics. So I can resurface the turret ring and slap a new turret on there. Good fucking luck doing that with a tiger. You got to get some dude named Heinrich out there with a file and an end mill because everything was precision fitted and way overcomplicated. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to catch some heat for this, but tigers not good tanks good optics and a fantastic gun most definitely but if that thing I forget the numbers if that thing sat in a 15 degree incline you couldn't turn the turret the drive motors were not strong enough you oh. 
the gun was just going to slew to wherever was down and probably break your gunner's arm from turning the manual traverse. They were underpowered. They were unreliable. But they had a fantastic gun, and they had great optics. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure someone's going to go. Someone's someone's gonna put a price on my head. How dare he fight the <laughs> Someone's just screaming. Just right now, just wee. <laughs> Greatest sound meme ever. Because <laughs> I I could say it without saying it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um. um uh, let's. I'm trying to just see. I've been in one or two British armored personnel carriers, and yes, it is not it is not a lie. They all have boiling vessels to make tea. Well, make tea, heat up water for your rations, a bunch of other shit. But yes, they have a way to make tea. It was one of those things that you hear and you go, sure, right, right. And everyone has a helmet shaped like a top hat. Yeah. You, your goggles are actually two monocles. Yeah. For the queen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the British gear that I saw was kind of curious because like I saw a couple of armored personnel carriers that had gasoline engines I'm like you know gasoline and bullets don't mix well right but bold move cotton well it was the cold war the Brits weren't in a great financial position so they just probably had to they had to run what they brung yeah God bless those funny accented guys because man, I I thought I had to deal with a shit budget growing up in the army in the Clinton era. No, every year is the Clinton era in the British Army. Just those guys do don't get the support that we do. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. Let's let our closest allies just wither well I know they fixed it I know they have I, I'm going old school but their uh, their standard infantry rifle the SA-80 British guys I worked with down south used to call it fuck the civil servant didn't work and you can't fire it <laughs> <laughs> But I guess uh, I guess HK went through and just and kind of retweaked everything, and I, I I guess it's a good piece of kit now. Yeah. But it uh, it had some it had some teething problems. Of That's a beautiful <laughs> nickname. Modest. That's a beautiful nickname. Um, yeah. British humor is it's a beautiful thing. It really is. So subtle. So subtle and just everything is just laced with sarcasm, and that's like my just, native fucking language. Yeah, everything is just like, yeah, everything is like you're talking to in laws or like two girls 
going at it. Nice shirt. Just, just n- not even like at each other's throats. Not like crazy bitch like sorority girls. I mean like middle-aged women like after like half a glass of wine, just enough that they're just kind of leaning into each other. They're not going for the jugular just yet, but they're certainly just putting needles into each other. Like, oh, okay. I, I take it you gave up on your diet? Like, you know, just very subtle. Yeah, and they just call it banter. Yeah. I'm like, dude, we're not bantering. You're breaking my balls over yeah, here. Yeah, you guys are slicing each other's throats. Um, we only have one more question, and then I have, I have a couple questions. But um, you got to do, like, 20 more minutes, and then we'll wrap it up? I'm fine. Fuck yeah. Um, which weapon and or weapon system that your enemy used made you fear for... Si- what what weapon did the enemy have that made that scared you the most or made you fear for your crew? So what is the most formidable enemy weapon? That is Oh, I can break this down. MI24 hind. Dude, I'll, back when I was a young cock diesel, youngin, dude, I would have fought the Red Army by myself. Of course, I would have gotten schwacked, but that's how confident I was. But uh, I didn't worry about their ground attack aircraft because that wasn't really a thing. as much shit as I give fighter jocks ours are better than theirs but the hind I saw one at an air show and it made my butthole get cold like just oh dear god it's coming right at me it's looking it's looking at me don't make eye contact don't make eye contact Um, sir this is a Wendy's I'm not even sure if I mean I know it carried rockets guns and you know probably a whole bunch of angry russians in it but i don't even know if the hind mounted anti-tank rockets on it but something about that goddamn bird just seemed vicious like something about that goddamn plane was terrifying and i don't know what it was was it i grew up in the rambo 2 era i don't Oh, wait, that'd be Rambo 3. Rambo 3, where I found out you could drive, shoot, and load a tank all from the same position. Well, duh. Well, if you're Johnny fucking Rambo, you can't. But, uh, yeah, the hind. I have no idea what it was about that thing, but it just seemed... I remember seeing an A-10 at flying at low altitude... I know he's on our side because he's in a fucking A-10. But I still got... Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. It's looking right at me. It's looking at me. It's looking at me. Tommy, it's fucking looking at me. I felt the exact same way about behind, and I have no idea if it was reasonable, if it was a acceptable response, but, yeah, something about behind just... I didn't fear Russian tanks. We could shoot them before they could shoot us. Pretty sure we proved that one. 
But nowadays, uh huh. Yeah, nowadays. Sure thing. Conscript guys doing two years. I'm sure they know that system inside and out. Yeah. That is a very sarcastic thumbs up. <laughs> so, yeah, probably they're gunships. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, they seem fucking terrifying. Like I said, I got to see one fly out here at Nellis, and it was awesome to see. But I'll be damned if my blood didn't get cold. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. All right, so that's that's the opinion I'll stand with is behind. Strong answer. Um <laughs> So th- this question is not really based in reality, but oh. after watching Fury, I thought, what would happen if you were able to transport just one Abrams, one M1 or M1A2, whatever the most advanced one is, Okay. and go back to the European theater of war in the 40s? Just how oh. many would it... Would they eventually be able to stop it with just, like, carpet bombing? Uh, uh. Or would that thing just run, like, a single... Like a one-man train from Omaha to Berlin. Grant, I mean, just well, grant, granted, it has fuel and shit. None, none of that yeah, stupid logistic shit. But we had fuel because remember, the Abrams burns whatever you got. Yeah, you got gasoline, it burns it. Diesel burns it. Jet fuel burns it. Avgas burns it. Fucking unicorn tears burns it. Um. You got 42 rounds on board. If you... If we're just taking logistics out of it. Yeah. You'd better hope and fucking pray that your artillery guys are on their A-game. And... Drop around through the goddamn loader's hatch if you can blow the tracks off it immobilize it that's still minefields would still do a number on the tracks i mean you're not going to get a catastrophic kill the vehicle will in theory be repairable if you blow off tracks but that's the only way you're going to stop it otherwise it's just it's gonna it's gonna go through your armored column like a chainsaw through a fourth grader it's just gonna be it's gonna be a biblical level of hate and discontent the m1 would just plow through i mean some some of those tabletop guys i'd be interested in talking about because german artillery was notoriously good but were the that good because what if they use the unless, unless I'm dealing with an unimproved road I could bump that puppy up to 50 miles an hour and just outrun your artillery screen what if yeah what if they use the Sperr Gustav railway gun it shot 800 millimeter shells 81 miles don't be there <laughs> they could probably think they'd pierce a pierce an Abrams with that oh. fucker Oh, yeah, most certainly, just by sheer physics alone, not even high explosives, just the just the weight of the iron in the projectile would 
yeah, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna taco the fucking turret of that thing. But if you that's not even something I'd worry about, just because say something like they're they're super guns, all right? Those are fired. Corrections are made by uh, forward observers, dudes with binoculars and radios going uh, left 100, add 100. Mm-hmm. And guys on the gun make the corrections and then fire. In an Abrams, you'd be moving so fast, you'd be left, right, up, down, yeah. fuck, shit, god damn it. Yeah. Give me my chocolate. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, Minefield would do a number on it. Uh, uh, if you manage to ambush it and blow its tracks off, you would get a mobility kill, which just means the tank ain't driving anywhere, but it'll still kill everything within a three kilometer radius of its main gun. <laughs> Fair enough. And hey, then, man, taxpayers got a good deal with the fucking Abrams. Fuck yeah. What do you think is going to... Is it just going to be continued, continually upgraded? Is it going to be like the B-52 where it just keeps kind of getting, you know, brought up to speed? Or is there going to be another... Is something going to replace it? Like like the next generation, like the F-22 or the F-35? Like, is something going to replace it? Or is it just a fucking boss of a system? <sighs> Uh, as much as it pains me to say, I I think it'll just fade away. Really? It'll just get moved into war stocks until we happen to fight another nation with a professional army that has tanks. Because I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps just lost most of their tanks. Yeah, I saw that. Because tank warfare hasn't been a thing since... February of 91. Yeah. Um, tanks don't do well in cities. Tanks don't do well at checkpoints. Tanks kill other tanks. And I wouldn't, if the budget is there, they'll just keep upgrading that bitch as it goes. Yeah. It's too heavy. Uh, got all the infrastructure we need to carry the damn thing. Yeah, you got it's all. expensive. Uh, I don't know if you know what we spend on defense, but it's a lot. So the part that bothered me is when I heard people say it's a gas guzzler. It's a tank. What? What the fuck is a fuel efficient tank? I mean, what are those numbers? I mean, yes, the Abrams. What? Two gallons to the mile. What's an efficient tank? One gallon to the mile? Yeah, what what discernible difference does it make? Two and three quarter yeah. miles? I don't I don't know. I don't know, but having fifteen hundred horsepower on tap and buckets full of speed when you want it kind of a hard combo to mess with. Yeah. Uh, I hate to say it, but I, I, I think 
sooner or later someone's going to get wise to the fact that in the kind of fights that we uh, are finding ourselves in that main battle tanks may not be the bestest choice like that that hurt that that hurt to say fuck so I think they'll get put into war stocks until sometime someone else will need a little sprinkle of act right we'll break them out we'll train the crews up again and go shoot some shit speaking of shoot some shit you do realize I am sitting on a chair in my garage that my friend Jesus Christ is a training training this is just plastic training heat round for the 120 millimeter smooth bore gun Jesus Christ this is what they call a heat round high explosive anti-tank which oddly enough you do not use on tanks this is what they call the standoff this hits vehicle tells this to go boom this creates a shape charge and creates a whole lot of problems for whatever it just hit now Jesus like I said it don't fit on camera Jesus Christ. And a, and a good gunner can get one of the, I mean, a good gunner with a good loader can get one of these down the tube every 10 seconds. That's, oh, and by the way, you see that gray part? Yeah. That's the only thing that comes out of the gun after it goes off. Yeah. That's what they call the aft cap. Jesus. So, yeah, uh, I'm just guessing, but just shy of 50 pounds. Maybe. Maybe a little more. Maybe a little less. I'm old. Sometimes my shit hurts. But, yeah, that's why the smooth bore gun, because this is the warhead. Yeah. Down in here are the fins that stabilize this warhead as it travels. Because that's two ways you impart stability on a projectile. You either put a spin on it, like with rifling, uh-huh. or it self-stabilizes like an arrow with its own fins. Mm-hmm. All of our shit has its own fins. Jesus Christ. The thing is ridiculous. Yes, you can thank my buddy. I stole it out of his garage months ago when... You and I were going to do another podcast and just been sitting here drawing fucking side eye glances from my neighbors. What is, what's the muzzle velocity? Like when one of those puppies gets let okay. lets off the rails. Okay, I don't remember. I don't remember the the the, the speed of a heat round. I just remember the Sabo round. The one you use to kill other tanks. Armor piercing fin stabilized discarding sabo with tracer. Uh, moves just shy of one mile a second. Holy fuck. Holy God. Shit. That shit's awesome, isn't it? Holy shit. Yeah, so you take a big dart of very dense metal 
Back in the day, it was depleted uranium, but that got unpopular, so now they use tungsten. You throw that thing at ungodly speed in the direction of the thing you're going to kill. It punches a hole. That hole creates whole shitloads of fragments that are now moving at the same speed of the Sabo, bouncing around that turret, turning everything in there into mincemeat as the Sabo flies through and usually punches a hole out the other side. It does not create a suction and everyone gets sucked out of a hole that big. That is, it just turns the inside of whatever you hit into a blender. And don't worry, you ain't gonna feel a thing. Next thing you know, you're driving around your T-72. Next thing you know, you're chilling with Joe Stalin. You're like, shit, how'd I get here? Yeah, God damn it. I did it again. Did it again. So, yeah, that was... I've been sitting on this thing for months. That thing is insane, (laughs) dude. Yeah. um, Like I said, you got to have your loader rip one of these out of the magazine or out of the ready rack. Turn it punch it into the breach, arm the gun, get out of the way, then it goes off. What's the... Would you know offhand what the muzzle velocity is of, like, a battleship turret? Or is those, are those just bigger shells? Not necessarily uh, faster. I don't know anything about it. Um, I don't know anything about it, too, and I was fascinated with them when I was a kid. Fascinated with them now, shit. If they brought battleships back, dude, I'd, I'd be like, yeah, can old ass guys sign up? Because I'll, I'll do that. Uh, no, I don't have the slightest clue. I just, I just remember watching the gun room in Iowa, New Jersey, Missouri. One of them, shell gets laid out on a cradle punched into the gun and then the powder elevators open and three 50 pound bags of gunpowder get pushed in and then three more bags of powder get punched in and then they close the breach it's like oh sweet jesus what kind of my kind of maniac said we just need more of everything more shell more gun more barrel length. Yeah. Battleships are just, to me, it's like, those are like the epitome of World War II. And I know they're around beforehand for the, the keyboard warriors. But to me, it's like, it's just, it's just scaled up to almost like a mythical level. That's one of those things that's like, all right, the, the Yamato. Yeah. All right, had the biggest had the biggest guns on any battleship, which means it'll have the biggest guns ever put to sea, 18.1 inches. And they didn't have to worry about transiting the Panama Canal, so our ships were just that wide. They basically had a foot on either side of the canal to the the Japanese, the uh, Imperial Japanese Navy had no such concerns, so that Bitch was 135 feet across. Dear God, what a 
monster that thing was. So I got the ultimate what if, and it was Iowa class meets the Yamato. And I got, I heard a pretty honest response. The Japanese guy who was just a fan of battleships was like, clear weather, edge goes to Yamato. Any sort of inclement weather, nighttime, rainy, cloudy, bad visibility, the Iowa wins easily. Just our radar, our uh, fire direction was better. Yeah. But I guess clear visibility I guess Yamato mm-hmm. might have taken it <laughs> yeah that fucker, once again yeah yeah that fucker just let some of those shells off Jesus Christ it's just yeah it's just like a there's a guy that was in the USS Wisconsin when it was used in um Desert Storm I think mm-hmm. and I've been trying to get him on the podcast he was one of the turret operators and I've been trying to get him on for the last six months and he's still hesitant but I'm, I'm working I'm trying to get him on you know who you are I won't say your name but I, you know who you are I'm going to send you this episode and you're going to hear this come on the podcast please for the love of god please I gotta know for the love like. of god I know <laughs> here we are talking about Abrams tanks man a fucking battleship turret Jesus Christ. Yeah, that... That thing can shoot Abrams tanks. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, that's a... That's just a whole... That's just on a different planet of firepower. Because when I hear small arms, I go, oh, that's adorable. Yeah. You think 50 caliber is large. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure battleship guys look at tanks and go, you're adorable. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. And they, they don't just have one. <laughs> They've got like nine. <laughs> why? Fuck you, that's why. Fuck you, that's why. Because <laughs> Uncle Sam don't play for, uh, Uncle Sam plays for keeps, motherfucker. Only time we're not using this is because we're setting off a second sunrise over your city. Oh, damn. Yeah. I just gotta. I gotta remember the terminology. Uh, Sixteen-inch three-gun turrets, not triple gun. Uh-oh. Three individual guns, as in, can be fired here. The other one can be fired here. The other one fired here. Whereas a triple gun, everything is done together. Yeah. Fact you didn't ask for nor need provided for you by me. But now I have it. Yes, you do. All right, all right, sir. Well, uh, let's wrap this one up. Definitely do another one in the future. And um, yeah, I gotta go pack bags and shit going up to the lake for Fourth of July. But uh, if you're listening, you know who you are, Turret Man. I won't say your name. Please do this. I'm dying. Please, dude. I'm dying too. I've been I've been pestering him. I've been texting him for the past six months and inching closer. I think I can get him in due time. Well, believe me, I'll be the first one watching it because, as far as firepower goes, 
they win. Yeah. They just they win. Yeah. All right. They can't be topped. <laughs> hey, cruise missiles and J dams, man, that's the shit. But taking a launching a Volvo twenty miles across the yeah. horizon, yeah, and hitting something, dude. I got to hear everything about that. Exactly. I know, man. Trust me. I know. I've been trying to. But this was fantastic. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your answers. That vodka story is fucking brilliant. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, neither do I. It's uh, You'll have to watch the episode I, to find out. I, that was something that may or may not... That happened in the Russian army. There yeah. we go. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. yeah, that wasn't us. Yeah, you know, they like their vodka. Brilliant story. Thank you, my friend. And um, this is a long episode, so it's going to take a while to upload, but I'll send you the link later. All right, man. All right, dude. Thank you so much. Good day to you, sir. <laughs> With the Maxim gun. <laughs> With the Maxim Whatever gun. happens, we have the... Oh, my fuck. Is that a Wisconsin? <laughs> That's not a Maxim gun. <laughs> we're maximally fucked. Yeah, we're maximum fire for effect. Oh, Lord, the Maxim gun. <laughs> Jules Verne never. All right, man. All right. Yeah. I'll see you, buddy. I'll start. I'll just start divulging into old timey guy voice. Yeah. All right. All right, buddy. Peace.